probably going to be Sunday for both of us tonight. I had uh, I was just a just a tiny bit late after I after I told you I was ready because mm-hmm. somebody I'm not going to name names, but her name <laughs> rhymes with my wife decided she wanted me to order some dinner, so somebody's going to be ringing my doorbell here in a little bit. <laughs> food will be here. Yeah, my other half isn't here right now, so uh, I'm responsible for preheating the oven and putting it in at some point. And I know the audience is thinking, "Oh man, you're not gonna you're not gonna go eat that food in the middle of this podcast, are you?" No, no, I'm gonna sacrifice my hunger for the good of my audience. That's the that's the kind of guy I am. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the end of time. I'm Michael. I'm Chris. Oh, man, we got another list today. I already know it's going to be a long one, so let's roll straight into the weeks, man. Uh, unless right. you have any well actuallys from last week. Nope. Man, you know what? It's it's, it's almost like we're going to have to cut well actually from, <laughs> from our whole entire podcast because we are always right. It, like, I, I don't want to brag, but man, it feels fucking nice that you and I are always 100% factually correct on these episodes. Like, nobody can correct us. It also nice. helps that we fact check in the middle. So. Right. <laughs> 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 like, like they can't hear the fucking clacking and the typing away from the keyboards. We're like, I wonder what this is. Clackety clack, 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 clack. <laughs> uh, it's Noel, actually. And just a refresher for anybody that it's new. Uh, because we don't we don't go over every section of the things we do in every episode. Well, actually, is kind of an inside joke, a very very tucked away inside joke because Chris and I really don't even use it that much. But well, actually, is kind of a it's kind of a a nod, I guess you would say, but more like a condescending nod at the people who imagine you're in a conversation and you say something like Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1493. Well, actually it was 1492. I know this because I remember that. We all know those people. We all know those. And our well actually is for us to go back behind ourselves and do our own homework on our own episodes and, and find any errors or things that we have misspoken or just things we were flat out fucking wrong on. And to date, I think since we have started that segment, we've had like two. It's just it, it's just a yeah. testament to the quality of podcasting that we bring to our audience. We do it for you. <laughs> we do it for you. Chris, it's been a week. Tell me about yours, man. So, a little bit of gaming and a lot of D&D. Mm-hmm. That pretty much summarizes my week. Um, I picked Witcher 3 back up, played probably another four or five hours of it. Um, okay. I I had mentioned before going back and reloading a save because of the quest that was failed. Right. So I did that, got caught up to where I was, um, and actually before catching up to where I was in that first area, I went to every question mark on the map first. Oh, nice. I was like, I don't want anything to be failed. I don't want to miss anything. So I was like, I'm just going to clear the map of all points. So I did that. Um, and then I moved on and I started, you know, going through the same stuff. And that's about where I left it. Um, I, I'm kind of in this 
this uh what's the word to use i'm in this middle unknown space between uh what i want to play mm-hmm. because i'm like all right i want to play a game but i have D stuff to do yeah so i'm like okay well Witcher 3, good game. I want to keep playing it, you know, progress what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But as I'm playing, I'm like, I am not focused on this right now. Yeah. So I ended up only playing it that one day, I think, for those four or five hours. Um, which, you know, it's nothing against the game. I'm just not in the mood for it right now, I guess. Um, yeah, I was also yeah, thinking about it. Yeah, I was also thinking about it. Maybe it's because, you know, I just played... Uh, Persona 5, which was a very long game. Right, right. I played uh, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, mm-hmm. which was a fairly Another. long game. Yeah, yeah. And what was the other one I played uh, recently? Let's see. Horizon Zero Dawn. I guess I went straight into Persona 5 with games I actually completed. I mean, I guess you could say you played Andromeda. That was... That's been a while. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. but... Two fairly long games back to back, and then jumping into Witcher Three, which is going to be pretty long. Oh yeah, um, I, I think I'm just kind of burned out on that at the moment, so I'll have to yeah. come back to it. That's completely understandable, man. So I was like, all right, you know what? I'm just I'll just play something on PC because um, I'm playing Witcher Three on Xbox One. Um, for whatever reason, I don't even know why. Probably got cheap on a games with a gold deal or something. No. Uh-huh. Um, I was like, all right, I'm going to load up Steam, look at my library, see, pick something to play. Something chill, you know, that I can not really worry about, not stream or anything like that. And before I even get to my library, on the front of the uh, store where it gives you recommended games, mm-hmm. there's this game, and it's called uh, Knights of Pen and Paper Plus One. God, I've heard of that. I've heard of that name. So I was like, huh. What's this? And I look at the little pictures. I'm like, oh, how much is it? Well, it's only 10 bucks. That's not bad. Um, and then I go through and I look, you know, see what kind of... Because they never... Games rarely have one option to purchase. So I was like, oh, there's a deluxe edition. What's that? And I just kept scrolling without even really discovering what the deluxe, the, the deluxe edition was. It's like, oh, there's a bundle, you know, from the publisher of their games. I'm like... Okay, and that's like 20 bucks. I'm like, well, I could get this game for 10 or, you know, three games for 20. Like, I guess I'll do the bundle. Um, I've only played Knights of Pen and Paper Plus in it, but it's Knights of Pen and Paper Plus 1, Knights of of Pen and Paper 2, not plus 2, just 2, for whatever reason, and then there's Galaxy of Pen and Paper. Um, So this game fits in really well with everything that's been going on right now. Um, mm-hmm. at least for me with all the D&D stuff, because it is, as it sounds, pen and paper. It's a play on tabletop games. Um, there's even aspects of it where you roll a D20. But the premise is you're actually sitting at a table. There are four chairs, and there's a dude sitting on the other side of it who's the game master. And he's basically running you through your campaign. What's happening? Nice. Um, and you pick... Whenever you pick a, or whenever you fill a seat, I'll put it that way, you choose both a player and a class. Um, 
and the players are, you know, your uh, normal groupings you'd classify people in. You know, you've got jerk, uh, jerks, <laughs> jocks. Um, <laughs> that's that a bit of a, a slip class. there, huh? <laughs> um, jocks, nerds, uh, some other things. And then there's others like uh, little brother, um, grandma or something like that. I didn't go through a whole lot of them because I picked mine fairly quick. And each player has some kind of boost they give to the class. Um, one of them, it actually defaults to uh, when you're on doing your selection, it gives you like 50% more experience for that player, which is you know pretty cool throughout the entire game. You get that boost. Mm-hmm. Um, the one I put on my rogue uh, was the little brother, and that gives you a bonus to initiative. So you go up uh, first more often or you go sooner rather because um, it's not a straight turn-based type thing it i mean it is but it's not you don't roll initiative it's just yeah. something that automatically does mm-hmm. uh, and it seems to have some maybe it does roll in the background and you just don't see it because there's some variable to it because uh, usually a character will go first but every once in a while a different one will or um one fight the enemy will go first and the other they won't um but yeah so you have this basically world map you're going through and each city, you basically build what quest you want to do based on the selection it gives you. Mm-hmm. So the first couple, and it give, puts little stars on the ones that are actually, you know, campaign quests. Uh, so there's your typical types of quests. You have your just killing things, you have gathering things, and you have escort quests, you have... Uh, what's the... Is that fetch, it? Fetch quest? Yeah, well, I already said collect. I mean, there's some that you collect where you're at, and there's some that actually send you off to another place to get them and bring them back. So I guess those are technically the fetch, and then the others are just local collection, which are essentially the same thing. Um, but every fight you get in, and every time you rest, it adds a day to your game time. Uh, you have a little thing at the top that says what day you're on. And there's actually a achievement for beating the campaign within 365 days, mm. which is pretty interesting um, because I'm on like day 700 and something. Mm-hmm. I thought I was almost done with the game at like 400 and something. I was like, oh, that's not bad. I wasn't anywhere near done with the game. <laughs> that was just kind of, you know, the first adventure of the campaign was done. Um, oh wow! I, I don't think I have a whole lot more to do because I am fairly high level. Um, I don't know what it caps at, but the highest level achievement is level thirty. But I have some equipment that requires you to be level thirty-two, mm-hmm. so I'm assuming it just keeps going, or maybe goes up to fifty or something. Yeah, but you only have to be thirty to complete the game, or something like that. Uh, which I'm essentially at. 29 through 30 because you actually have to buy the other chairs at the table or the ability to fill them. Uh, you get mm-hmm. three, you get three to start with and then you can unlock two more, uh, with an item in the game. And every time okay. you fill a seat, it costs you money. Um, and you start out with enough money to fill one more or to buy items, uh, on your game table. 
you have different upgrades you can buy and stuff like you can change the type of table it is uh the room you're playing in like the quote-unquote real life room you're playing in you can put stuff on the walls and change the door and the floor and the type of walls and stuff and each thing you change gives you a boost you know as you're playing the game and they're Mm -hmm. permanent boosts and it sounds like based on what i was reading that it carries over nice in some way Um, i know the classes you unlock carry over because you start with you know what i would call basic classes and then you Mm -hmm. unlock other classes as you complete uh storyline or uh quest lines so i spent uh according to steam it says nine hours on this game so far uh over i think that's two afternoons playing Mm -hmm. it's it's right at my alley right now just a (laughs) <laughs> Real chill, you know, and you actually choose when you're when you have quests to kill stuff, you actually choose how many you fight at a time and what composition of enemies you fight. So if it's like you have to kill 10 rats, you can go, OK, well, I'm going to kill four at a time, which until you get an upgrade, that's as many as you can do. But then you can upgrade to fight up to seven, I think, mm-hmm. uh, at once. But that's pretty ridiculous unless you're fighting something super low level. Um so you, you run across a new enemy, you're like, I wonder how strong this is. So it's like, okay, I'll just put him one. Um, or at this point, I do two because of some stuff I have. Um, right. Put in one. Okay, not bad. Then I'll choose, okay, I'll just go ahead and do two at a time. Um, because I've got my druid, which can sleep uh, an enemy each time it gets its turn and it'll stay slept for i think i've upgraded to where it's like seven turns now which is more than enough time to kill something so i'll start at one end of the uh enemy line i'll start at one end with killing start the other end with sleeping and then (laughs) as i uh kill everything that's not asleep i start on the first one i slept because it's going to wake up soonest anyway yeah so it's got you know a little bit of strategy in there and it's it's real interesting how they did the, you know, basically choose your adventure type thing with the enemies because, and there are some that force you to fight X number of this and that, uh, boss fights and whatnot, but just being able to go, okay, I don't really feel like risking this. I just want to murder them and move on, which is good in the sense you stay safe, but it's bad in the sense that that's more time passing because if you have to kill 10 enemies, if you do one at a time, that's 10 days. If you do two at a time, that's five. So you've saved, you know, half your half the time it would have cost you. Or even more if, you know, you do more at once. Um, mm-hmm. But of course you get more of a risk. Uh, when your characters die, you have to spend money to revive them after the fight. Uh, in fight, you can only revive if you have a item, I guess. Um, I haven't had a character that could revive yet, but I haven't really tried anything other than what I picked to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of classes I imagine would uh, be able to do that. Right now I'm playing with a Paladin, the Rogue, which is OP, uh, the Druid, a Fighter, and a Bard. Okay. Um, so those are the five I'm playing with right now. Uh, and it works out pretty well. I, I was trying to think of what I would replace, and it would probably be the Fighter, um, just because it doesn't really have a specialty. It's nice in that it has a cleave attack that can hit up to three enemies at once if they're positioned right, Mm -hmm. Um, which is very important because 
it's like, oh, it'll hit, you know, the enemy and the enemies around it. I'm like, okay, I'll use it. But I had killed one that was in between. It was like a set of four. I killed one that was second from the left. So I attack the one second from the right. Well, the one on the far left didn't get touched because it wasn't immediately touching that one. So I'm like, okay, that's kind of annoying, but it only happened in one fight, so it's a quick lesson to learn. Yeah. But it doesn't do very much damage at all. So it's kind of like, eh, I could, you know. And when you level, you choose skills to put your points in. Because when you level, you get one point. So over time, you can power up certain skills, but you kind of have to choose what kind of character you want or what kind of, yeah what kind of character you want them to be because if I up the cleave attack, then the single attack gets weaker because it's not getting leveled up or I balance them and neither one is really that great. Um, whereas my rogue, I first up the skill that just gave it a straight one more damage each hit um, mm-hmm. for a while. And then I switched to the, uh, I'm trying to think of what it is. It's it's not a poison attack. It's just an extra powerful rogue attack uh, stab. But it starts out doing like 20% more damage than a normal attack would. I'm to the point where I've upgraded so much that's like 70% more Jesus. damage. So I just, that's my go-to attack. Oh, and it stuns. It's a stun attack. So I'm saying they're almost doing double damage to enemies that aren't resistance to physical damage. And, you know, that's along with the sleep. I can put out two enemies at the very start of a fight. And as long as the uh, it does, it's not immune to it or it doesn't wear off or something at an odd time, the rogue's turn comes around again and he just does it again. So that's two nice. enemies that literally can't do anything. So my fights are, for the most part, pretty safe unless they're a boss, which are, of course, immune to stun and sleep. Right. But. So Unless you're in Persona 5. <laughs> uh, we're done with that game. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think this was a pretty well-spent 20 bucks, and I haven't even touched two of the three games. Nice. Um, and I, I understand, man. I feel, I feel the same way you do at times where I have to, I have to balance my games, so to speak. Like... Last year, when I came off of um, Breath, of the uh, Breath of the Wild, Jesus, so many hours, <laughs> and then looking at the other games that were in my lineup, maybe if it was like a forty or sixty hour RPG, maybe, maybe. Like I think I went through, uh, I want to say I went through Chrono Trigger again, just for, just for the fuck of it, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit after. But I mean, I'm not bragging. I'm just the fact that I played that game so many times. I blew through Chrono Trigger, no problem. But if I was to play that and then behind that play like, you know, a, a Witcher game, oh man, I don't no. know. I found, I found smaller games to play and then found filler games in between those, like the uh, a robot named Fight is one one example. I know what you mean, man. He's, it's I I've had times where I've like I finished one long game and then have been in that weird funk for about a week where like I start games and can't figure out what. It's so weird. Like, I wish there was a actual medical term and a term for what this is. But like, <laughs> I will beat a fucking game, and I'm like, all right, cool. And then immediately, because I'm always playing a game, I don't like take a week off of playing video games. If I beat a game, 
minute one, minute two, I'm starting a new game. Mm-hmm. And I'll start a game, and it could be something that's good. It could be something that's on my fucking wall. I know it's a damn good game. Uh, and I'll play it for five, ten, half an hour, and I'll just, uh, I'm just not feeling it. And I'll go start another game. I'll pick, I have to go through and pick something else, which is a process in and of itself. And I'll play that one for a little while. Eh, I'm not feeling that one. Like, there's, there's been times where I've bounced through, like, 15 games, like, just starting small amounts of time. And just, it just takes a game to finally go, God, this is the one. I'm going to play this one for a while. It's so weird. I hate it, but I don't mind it. I mean, I'm not trying to impress anybody with what I'm playing. <laughs> and, you know, if, if, if I'm just not feeling that game right then, be it a brand spanking new game that I bought or a game that I've played before and, and going back to, I just have to settle on the game that I'm playing. And it takes, sometimes it takes time. Yeah. So I feel you. I, t- I totally understand, man. Yeah, and I'm I'm also kind of in the same area on videos mm-hmm. watching. Because um, that's something, working from home, I watch videos all day long as I work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm actually getting to the point where I'm like, I don't know what to watch. Because um, mm-hmm. I have my typical, I always watch Achievement Hunter. Um, but that's, you know, one or two videos a day, typically. Mm-hmm. Um, on weekdays. And then whatever weekend schedule they have, which I think is like something on Saturday now. Um, But other than that, I don't really have a go-to right now. You know, Critical Mm. Role, I'm all caught up. Um, Since we didn't record last night, I actually caught up on Critical Role this morning. So I'm fully caught up on it. Yeah, Um, I got the uh, notification that uh, they were live last night. And I was like, I'm not there. I'm not there yet. (laughs) And I will. This is going to sound so bad, but... I don't I don't particularly care for the other geek and sundry stuff. I mean, you see commercials throughout Critical Role all the time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, kudos to them. That's just the other stuff is not really for me, not really my thing. A little bit too geeky, a little too try hard nerdy. I don't know. It's, <laughs> that's it's not even just that. It's just I, I, I've looked at the other things that geek and sundry has to offer and I came for Critical Role and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I, I don't watch any of the other stuff either, but I did start watching once I finished Critical, critical Role, um, watching through Matt's uh, DM tip videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I made it through all of those. Uh, they're all pretty yeah. short. Um, but I made it through all those until it switched over to where it wasn't Matt anymore. Yeah. It was uh, Satine Phoenix or something like that. So mm-hmm. And I just, it wasn't the same. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think I even got through the first video with her. And I'm like, I feel bad about this, but I wanted to hear Matt because of Critical Role. Um, And she may have great, you know, advice and stuff, but I was like, nah, I'm done. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, I know what you mean. Uh, And that, that's kind of what I was getting at with the geek and sundry. Like I want to subscribe to Critical Role. It's like, I hate being that dick of a guy, but I don't want to subscribe to Geek and Sundry. That's not the only place I've had to do that to. There's, uh, there are a few YouTube channels out there that when I want, uh, Death Battle, that's another example. Mm -hmm. I don't want to subscribe to the entirety of Screw Attack. Screw Attack has 20 something other series they run. I don't particularly care for any of the other ones. I only want Screw Attack, but the only way to get notifications 
And to get the newest episode, well, actually, that's incorrect. The only way to get the newest episodes to show on my feed is to subscribe all the way through. And the same thing with Geek and Sundry. But the cool thing about Geek and Sundry is I can at least have a notification sent to my phone whenever they're playing live, and Mm -hmm. that's fine. I already know that they record every Thursday, so I know Friday, Saturday, something like that. The new episode will be available to view. But... Yeah, I don't. I feel like a dick, but I mean, at the same time, I don't. I don't. I don't really care about Geek and Sundry's other stuff. I came for Critical Role. Yeah, and because they start so late, I caught like the first hour, I think it was last mm-hmm. night live, and then finished it this morning with the VOD um, nice. on Twitch. But their Twitch VODs aren't available unless you sub. So I use my Twitch uh, Prime sub. Nice to sub to them for free, just so I could watch. Uh, I did that last week actually, so I could watch it uh, without waiting for it to. Because I think it goes up on YouTube like half a week later. Yeah, or something like that. And I didn't want to wait. <laughs> I, you know, I, I tell you the truth. I could, I, I would sub to them. I, I'd sub to them if I had the cash. I'll see how much their rates or everything, and I'll totally, I'll totally support those guys. I I can't use my free Amazon Prime subscription though because I've already burned that on Salty Bet. Salty Bet has my <laughs> Prime, and I'll, I'm going to keep that one locked right where mm-hmm. it is. I swear to God, Chris, if it is 2029 and, and Salty Bet is still running, that is a testament to everything in this world. Good. <laughs> I uh, I actually went through, I think it was last week, and went through my uh, Twitch subs and reduced some of them. Because mm-hmm. um, it's it's getting out of control. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I had nearly twenty at the peak. Um, Jesus. But this last week I was down to when I started going through them. I was less than fifteen. I want to say thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I might be at ten now, ten or under. Mm-hmm. But I have some subs I've been subbing to for like three years at plus at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the longest channels. The resub thing yesterday was actually 55 months. That'd be over four years. Wow. Uh, subbed. Um, that'd be uh, Roleplay, me JP's channel, uh, from him doing the Roleplay stuff, uh, D&D. Uh, I think yeah. I currently have two, and only two. I have uh, Salty Bet, of course. Mm-hmm. And I have one real out of the out of the blue. I don't even know how I came across this guy. I think I was looking for YouTube channel subscription suggestions like five, six years ago, and somebody recommended me this guy, even though I don't think he had YouTube videos. I got to this guy somehow. Mm-hmm. The channel is called Burning the Midnight Oil Gaming. Uh, I, I back in my server days. Uh, when I used to be up at like one fucking o'clock in the morning, yeah. even, even back when I worked at you know the restaurant that I worked at, and I was up late at night, this was perfect for watching live stuff because he would stream at like you know one any like one o'clock in the morning till four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Uh, easy, relaxing voice, really nice guy, down to earth. Not a huge channel. Uh, I mean, I'm sure he had. Uh, quite a few hundred subscribers but when i would come on and watch him live he'd have like maybe 15 20 people at a time mm-hmm. uh would interact with people in the chat talk to him real intelligent and he'd play all kind of games that i like to i like to watch i saved a 
fuck ton of his live videos. Like I've got at least 700 gigs just of his videos. <laughs> and uh, he was like the first person ever that I've like subscribed to on a Twitch channel. And then Salty Back came around and I was like, oh shit, this is new. And they're like, no, nah, man, this shit's been going on for years. Where the fuck you been? Where the fuck you been? Yeah, you know what Mugen is? I'm like, yeah, I know what Mugen is. I didn't know what this is. Holy crap, this is awesome. Yeah, you know, I, I've been waiting for you to hop into my channel, but I guess that's not going to happen. I think um, I, th- I think I, I thought I did. Well, you hopped in like once and you haven't been back since. No, you know, all sure. my talk about my, you know, Twitch uh, game and you haven't come in and tried it at all. Yeah, we need to do that, man. I totally you know, forgot. Jughead subbed to me, but you have oh, We did. Yeah, he, the oh, day I okay. uh, posted about it on Facebook, because he actually told me before I even had the option, he goes, the day you get a sub button, I'll come sub to you. And sure nice. enough, I posted about it on Facebook and tagged him in it, and he, not too long afterwards, probably as soon as he saw it, hopped into my channel and subbed. There were a couple games that you and I said we were going to play together on that channel. I know one was the Biohazard Battle, of course, mm-hmm. but I think there was, I think there was the uh, the robot the uh, the Mega Man the twenty eight twenty X X game. That was another one. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah we're gonna, we need to get around to that. We need to get yep. around to that. But I, uh, um, l- let me retrace my steps. How the sure. fuck did we even get here talking about Twitch? Uh, uh, stuff to watch. Uh, stuff to watch. Critical Role. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Do you have do you have anything else besides Critical Role and D&D in your week? Uh, let's see. No, other than my generic, I'm not sure what to watch right now. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that, there we go. Do, yeah. uh, I'm so going to make a, I'm going to make a list of my YouTube channels and I'm just going to send them to you. You all can right. pick and choose what you like. I'm not saying you're going to like every one of them. I'm not saying you're even going to pick even any of them, but I've got a fuck ton. I am never without content. I have too much fucking content. I have actually deleted major channels. I think, uh, I mean, this is going to sound so what the fuck ever to anybody else in the audience that doesn't participate in the YouTube fucking video conglomerate machine that it is, but I unsubscribed from Game Grumps last year. I stopped with their videos. Mm -hmm. Now, that's saying a lot, but I have close to one, I think I have 1.4 terabyte worth of videos from those guys. Like, I'm done. I can't, I'm good. And, I mean, I brought this drama shit up. I mean, it's not drama, but I mean, I brought this petty shit up before. I liked Game Grumps when it was John and Aaron. Mm-hmm. Danny is cool. He's an all right dude. Yes, there's ha- I've had funny moments, but it's just not the fucking same. It never has been. And I'm just, it's no no anger, no, no shit came up. I was like, you know what? I think I'm good with Game Grumps for now. The only channel to this day that I've had the longest probably actually longer than Game Grumps, is Two Best Friends. I still have them to this day. And good God, I, I, love, the, I, love, their, I love their shows. I love all three of those guys. I listen to their podcast weekly. It's probably my, probably my favorite YouTube channel. But I still have several, several other ones that I watch videos daily. <laughs> what a new age I live in. I have my <laughs> own TV thing. But uh, yeah, I'll send you. I'll send you the stuff that I've subscribed to. You may find some good stuff. Maybe you won't, right. but it's definitely stuff to check out. Yeah, I actually, it's not often that I go to YouTube and look at my list of you know subscribed videos because I'm mm-hmm. normally watching something I spe- specifically went to on YouTube or 
I'm just on Twitch because I normally yeah. watch a lot of live stuff. Yeah. Um, but since I finished Critical Role and watched all the DM tips and stuff, there was a... I had watched a thing that MEJP did. Um, and of course, this is D&D related, but not Critical Role. So, yeah. Uh, well, sort of. Actually, now I think about it. Because it was MEJP, um, Adam Coble, which is one of his uh, GMs, uh, GMs for his channel, mm-hmm. um, and does his own thing. He actually GMs for uh, Roll20's Twitch channel. Oh. And I think he's even popped up on the D&D channel. Uh, one of the DMs that does that. And then they had on uh, Matt Mercer from Critical Role and Matt, or no, Mike Merles, who is a, let me look up his actual role, but he's he works at D&D at uh, Wizards of the Coast. Um, but he is... He's the lead writer, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, or he was at some point. I think he still is. But they actually had, and it was, it was this interesting discussion. You know, it was basically two very popular DMs or GMs. Uh, it me JP as the host of it um, because he does all the role play stuff on his channel and all the various shows, D and D related and other systems. And it was kind of this just conversation about, you know, what do they want from D&D? Where do they, you know, think upcoming things, where they see it going? Just kind of, uh, I don't remember what they actually called it, but it's just an interesting conversation to listen to. And I think, uh, yeah, Matt, uh, Colville was on there, which I don't know what his association is with D&D as a company. Um I know he he he's a been playing D and D you know forever mm-hmm. um, since back in the original D and D days, uh, and he was on there. And based on that, I had after running out critical role stuff, I went and found his channel to see what he does, and he actually had a couple different playlists. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, one of which was not really only GM tips, but just DMD. Uh, he called it running the game. And it was things that uh, not only, it mainly focused on how he ran D&D when he ran his campaigns, uh-huh. but it also had a couple that were f- more for players. Uh, like there was one on player etiquette or something like that. Um and it's a pretty good series to watch, but the videos aren't very long. They're like 15, 20 minutes each. Um, I'm still going through his stuff, though, because he also has uh, game diaries. And he actually played like four games that he recorded the whole thing of. Um, so you could see his DMing in action. And it's very interesting, the different types of games that are played. Uh, when you compare, you know, like... <clears throat> Uh, critical role with his game it's a different dynamic you know not necessarily anything bad about it but it was uh it's interesting to see i'm still in the middle of one of the i think the last recording he's done um but i'm going through his stuff just as something to watch and listen to 
But it's one of those things that, oh, I have something else to watch. I'll pause it and then come back to it after I don't have anything else. So, like I said, I don't have that core thing I'm watching right now. Uh, yeah, that's it, aside from D&D stuff. All right. Well, we can roll into uh, some our D&D talk and Critical Role talk, and then I'll just taper off my week afterward. All right. Uh... Definitely going to throw an immediate spoiler warning out for one, for Critical Role, mm-hmm. and two, for really the only five other people that met that from our <laughs> D&D campaign currently, just in case we say some dumb shit. Um, I want to throw this out here right the fuck now. I have had quite a few moments in, in Critical Role where I have laughed my ass off and again mm-hmm. I'm so sorry that I haven't taken enough notes. There's so many. There really are. Every every other episode somebody has done something where I have like slapped my fucking knee laugh out loud. Such an entertaining show. But I have I have had one moment recently. This was either yesterday or the day before yesterday where I literally physically put my hand to my mouth and I was, I think my wife was actually back in the bedroom asleep, and I was I was actually nervous <laughs> that I was talking too loud because I was saying out loud through a muffled hand, "Oh, Matt Mercer, you did not, Matt, you did not just fucking do." No, it wasn't a laugh out loud thing at all. Yeah. Uh, as, aside from me thinking that I was gonna wake wake my wife up and so mm-hmm. worried about that shit. I'm, I'm I'm fucking watching a Dungeons and Dragons show and scared that I'm waking my wife up. That's my life these days. Isn't it great? Yeah. So it's the part it was the part where they went to um Dragon something. It was the town that um Oh, man, I'm forgetting all the fucking names now. Oh, Jesus. Okay, back the probably for about 25, 30 episodes, there was a character in Campaign 1. He was a dragon character. He was, he was, he had, uh, uh, God, Tiberius. Had, like, Tiberius. They, yeah. they went back to Tiberius's hometown. Uh, Draconia. After, yes. And yeah. at the end of that fucking, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, Chris. Sure. They do. went back to their fucking hometown. And they looked up on the they're 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 going down this road and they're seeing all these bodies up on stakes that were burnt, mutilated, whatever. And somebody had made a roll and was like, "Do I see something?" And they said, "Make a roll to see if you see this." And of course, it was it was a secret, mm-hmm. which they do that all the time. You know, you yeah. just, hey, I'm gonna run over here and I'm gonna say something that only you will hear. And the look on I forget whose face it was, but it was kind of shock. But you never know because you can't hear what Matt's telling any of these players. So you don't know what the secret is unless they decide to show it later. Right. But when he finally revealed what it was, mm-hmm. um, before I even say what it is, I'm trying to get my audience now on the edge of their seat because that's where <laughs> I was. There was a character in this on this Critical Role show uh, named uh, Tiberius Stormwind. He was a dragon type race, dragonborn type yeah, dragonborn. race character. Yeah, uh, played by Orion Ast- Astaka Attica, something like that. Um, 
He was a pretty cool guy. Uh, there, there was supposedly some drama about why he left. There was legitimate reasons, like he left for a legitimate reason, but there was a lot of hearsay and blah, 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 blah. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. All I know is Matt said, hey, knock the drama off. The guy left on good terms. That's the end of it. He was there on, he was on Critical Role for probably about 25, 30-something episodes. And on one episode, this was, this was kind of a shock in and of itself. Like, he was just gone. Like, yeah. Tiberius decided to, he wasn't on the show, and they just impromptu just was, well, we just, Tiberius left, and we wish him well, and that, that was it. Like, out of nowhere. Not like Ashley Johnson, where she's there, and not there, and there, not there. This was like, hey, I'm leaving forever. Uh, Tiberius is going off to do his own adventure and leaving Vox Machina. Mm-hmm. Flash forward about 50-something episodes, and Draconia has been wiped out completely, and the, t- the the fucking Vox Machina are walking through Draconia, and they see these bodies that are being, that were They're hung frozen. on these stakes. Frozen, yeah. And somebody asked, do we recognize any of these people? And they rolled something, Matt runs over there, does a whisper, and I remember the look on their face, but you didn't know what they said. And then finally they realized what it was, and Matt said, and then up on one of these stakes, frozen, is the body of Tiberius Stormwind. And I was like, oh, dude, I got goosebumps right now just saying it. I was like, Matt, the fuck you did not just do that. That, not say, he didn't do it in a mean way, but, mm-hmm. oh, man, that was bad. Like, that, that's a fucking D&D show, and it affected me emotionally. That was it wrecked me for a good minute. I just I just literally had my fucking hand on my mouth like no way, no fucking way. That was that's so crazy. That's so weird, so bad. Oh no. Yeah, I can't but, wait till you get towards the end. Oh, Chris, shut up. <laughs> that was one. That was one. Mm-hmm. I couldn't deal with it. <laughs> but I think I'm on actually if let me just minimize this damn screen real quick. I am on episode 72 right now. Running at a brisk 1.70 time the rate. Because <laughs> it is a lot of shit to get through. What, so, uh, what's the title of that episode? Um, or the way you have it saved, The you Elephant don't. in the Room. They just defeated the White Dragon in the snowy area. Mm-hmm. This, was right, this was right after fucking Percy's character had died as well. They uh, brought him back to life, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm. Now, th- this, this has me believing that there, ha- there, there's more to this. I know there's more to this because the this, there are 115 episodes in campaign one, yes. minus the filler, minus the one shots, minus all that shit. Mm-hmm. The actual campaign episodes are number 115. Yes, I'm on 70 something. And they're like, well, we've only got one more thing to do, and that's to go kill the big red dragon. And I'm like, man, it's not gonna, it's not gonna take y'all 35 fucking episodes <laughs> to do that. 40 something episodes. There's no way. I can't math right now, but you are correct. There's got to be something past this uh, chroma chroma dragon mm-hmm. arc. So I'm interested. We shall see. Yeah, I'm trying to think of when that actually ends. Let's see, you said when the elephant in the room, so you're on 72. Uh, Yeah, so you're not too far off. Yeah. 
I mean, like I said, they've already knocked out all the other dragons except for the one, except for the green one that's supposed right. to be helping them under the quote unquote deal. Mm-hmm. But the next their their next target is to go is to go kill the red one. So, I mean, even if I give them 10 episodes, that's that's fucking 30 plus hours of content. It's not going to take them the rest of it to finish that. So there's more stuff coming. I mean, yep. I'm anxious to see where it goes afterward. Uh, and then there's campaign two, which I have all the episodes downloaded as well. They're just mm-hmm. I'm just I'm waiting. To, I'm waiting to get to them. Yeah, I got a like I said, I'm caught up on campaign two. And last week it ended in a pretty huge uh, cliffhanger, at least for that early in the game, it was. Oh, oh, oh an episode of Critical Role ended in a, cl- a cliffhanger, Chris? I know, right? <gasps> Dude, fuck but, you, Matt. He's so <laughs> fucking good at that. He is so fucking good at bringing you to the edge and then going, and that's where we're leaving off for this week. And all all the care, all the people are like, oh, no, yeah. come on. He's like, hey, we, we've been here all night. It's already midnight, so you know, we got to stop. Yeah, but it was it was worse than usual. Um, so I had you know subbed to them on Twitch just so I could watch it early, mm-hmm. and then I was screwed over because I immediately got that cliffhanger. Oh, and I was wow. like, oh great! Now I'm gonna be waiting a week to find <laughs> out what happens, and yeah, I got nothing. Um, but uh, last night's episode didn't. End, it was a cliffhanger technically, but it wasn't. It's not that what happens next is unknown. They just called it there because they're about to start something. Um, and one of the players wasn't there. So it's like we, it was three hours long instead of their normal time, which is still pretty long, you know, three hours. Um, but they know they're going into a fight. They've been specifically tasked with killing something. So they're like, okay, we're going to go kill this. Um, so as they're approaching, he's like, yeah, we're going to, this is uh, where we're going to stop. So. Oh man, I did remember one uh, funny thing that was really getting to me recently was when they went through the one town and uh, something that they were tasked to find was that spice. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's Scanlon's trying to find out what kind of spice it is and he's equating it to a drug. Mm -hmm. So he's going through this town, like trying to find this fucking spice. And he's like, Hey, you, uh, you spice man and they're like we don't i don't know what you're talking about he's like come on man are you cool are you cool <laughs> he's like and so the part like the party's going through this town doing whatever they want to do like going to buy potions or going to buy weapons or whatever and scanlon's like i'm me i'm just walking through the street and you know every third person i see i just go you spice <clears throat> you're just passing people <clears throat> spice <clears throat> oh, spice <clears throat> And he, the fucking guy sold him the shit, and he thought it was real, and it was actually just fucking spice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, how much you should pay for this? Oh, 50 gold. He fucking bought it for 300. He just didn't want people to know. Yeah. <laughs> that whole thing uh, had me fucking rolling. Yeah, and even with him saying 50 gold, that was a real ripoff, too, because it's worth, like, uh, five gold at best. Yeah. Or something like when that. He got, when he got back to for the, the high quality. Place, yeah, when they got back to their place, they were like, how much you spent for? It's like 50-50, man, you got ripped off. He's like, Ed, look, it's, it's, not, it's not, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> um, let's see, I'm try- I'm looking back at the playlist for it, just trying to think of other moments that uh, jumped out. 
but it's been so long now. I've watched literally hundreds of hours worth of content. At this Dude, point. there's enough. There's enough shit in uh, one episode, much less a fucking arc. You know. Yeah, their time in the uh, Feywild was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, when they got out and they—that was another one when they got out and some of them had forgotten everything because mm-hmm. a, a trick, a thing of the Feywild was you have a chance to forget everything. You forget ever even being there. So yep. some of them knew, but some of them didn't. Oh man, they were they were telling Grog what he did, and he was just like, <laughs> "Oh, you fought really well." It's all, all it's so good. Yeah, and then they get their memories restored, and it's like. You lied. You <laughs> lied to me. <laughs> oh, man. And they actually, that's, um, they never in the campaign get Grog to actually admit what happened with him and that uh, chick, the uh, nymph or whatever she was. Oh, wow. In the entire thing, they never resolve it, but in the post-campaign thing, they finally get him to tell what did or did not happen oh so that was it's always it was it was very interesting to for them to answer these questions that stood you know for basically two years um plus they're not recording time because that's something that happened when they were still a home game yeah yeah it's good stuff man I'm, i'm i'm enjoying it Yep. It's 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 almost hard for me to pick a favorite character out of this troop as well. Um, yeah, I don't um, know. I re- I really like them all. And each, this is what I like, and I talked about this a bit before uh, about how their characters are all so involved in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, you, yeah, you saw the part Grog story thing, right? Which one? With uh, the knuckles. Um, I've seen, yeah, where he got them, yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah, yeah that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, it, uh, it's just an example of, you know, you have these arcs that just focus around one character for a bit, but yeah. it's not like they're off on their own doing their own thing. It's the group as a whole are doing these things and, you know, basically helping each other out. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes a long way towards making all of the characters very likable. Yeah. It helps that you don't have some, you know, bard causing trouble for your entire group constantly. Um, Segway into our session. (laughs) I thought you were talking about Scanlan because holy shit. (laughs) No, he's not that bad. No, I I I would have to say it. Take, I'm totally lying. I'm totally gonna take back what I said earlier. I think he's probably one of my he's probably one of my favorite characters. Him or Grog, but the sh- I love Scanlan's fucking say yes to everything attitude. He's mm-hmm. like, what are we gonna do? Here's this really intricate plan that we should follow through. Oh, you just want to go through the middle? Fuck yeah, let's just let's do it. Sure, sure, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> let's just fucking do it. Uh, that that uh. There was an episode, God, like 20-something episodes ago where he was going to go try to, he was going to go just one-off himself, just go into this area on his own, 
and he like turned into a fucking rhino and rammed the front door. And when he oh, opened yeah, the, the door, there was yeah, yeah, the triceratops. Mm-hmm. There was like twenty people in the room. And he's like, I immediately take two steps in, turn to the right, and go to the other door. <laughs> <laughs> and he just progressively kept. There's been times where he has just been in the middle of shit, yeah, and progressively like just pulled shit out of his ass and survived. And that doesn't stop. As a bard. <laughs> Through the last episode, that doesn't stop. I like that. He's, he he plays his character. He plays that guy like that. Yeah. Um, in the post-campaign thing, Matt actually turns to him and thanks him for showing just what a bard could do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because bards traditionally have been considered the worst class of D&D. Mm-hmm. Um but with 5th edition and with the smart player behind it, like uh, Sam is, you see all these crazy things they can do. Yeah. It's something that I'm waiting to see. It seems like there's been a lot of times. It seems there have been many times where they have been into it in a negotiation situation. And it's actually kind of turned more to Percy now. Mm-hmm. But it used to be uh, Vax. Now, I got to get it straight. Vax is the guy. Vex is the girl. Mm-hmm. Okay. Vax used to do a lot of the talking. When it actually, bards do a lot of the talking. A bard can get a lot of shit done for you in D&D. Yeah. Like, can get prices knocked down, can negotiate, can fucking... The, oh, when he when he just turns people to his view, I love, I love when he does that. Uh, he did that with a... Somebody he did something with a beast here recently. They summoned some beast, and he was like, "Yeah, I take control of that guy. He's gonna do what I want." Oh yeah, yeah. That was oh, in the man. white dragon part. Yeah, yeah. When they summoned that fucking beast, and he was like, "I've got your mind now. Yeah. You're gonna sit here, and you're going to kill a dragon." And yeah, they were that, like, was, that wasn't a beast. That was a demon or a demon. Whatever. <laughs> Point is, they're good at talking, and they're good at making people do things. Yeah, it's kind of kind of broken in a way when you when you read into it, but uh, I like the way Scanlan plays it. It's nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's I don't know. It's just one of those things where watching these guys play, it's just unbelievable this story they've put together. And going yeah. back to my original point, almost everything involves one of the characters in some way in their backstory. Um, or something that's going on with them even at that time um, as you get further along and (laughs) major things happen to characters and all of a sudden they're heavily involved in the story but this isn't backstory related anymore this is now story this is their characters yeah uh, thoughts personality objectives whatever you want to call it that are the core of what the group is doing yeah. Um, I, it's hard for me to remember when things happen, so I'm trying to be very vague in things I say uh, so I don't spoil it for you. Yeah. But there are moments with... Uh, well, you've already been through Percy's. Yeah, um, with his Percy's thing. whole thing. Yeah. Um, Vax has his thing, and then Scanlan has a big thing, too. That's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for his fucking... I'm waiting for him and Grog to have their own solo, like, big fucking arc thing. Well, I think Grog's knuckles are his big thing. 
Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah. He's he's a fairly simple character, so to speak, as far as... Yeah, that's right, because yeah. it was his fucking clan and everything. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Okay. Well, then I'm waiting for Scanlan's then. Yeah. Um, yeah, Scanlan's doesn't happen until... I want to say... It's not too long after the uh, Chroma arc. I think it yeah. might be a direct result of it, is his thing. Yeah. Um, which has Kaylee already come up? No. Okay. Okay. Don't recognize that name. Wait, is that his daughter? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's you know, part of his big thing going on right now. Yeah. Um, so she pops up now and then. And then he has a fairly big thing going on shortly after the Chroma arc concludes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm enjoying Critical Role, man. It's good stuff. But, uh, it's it's my D&D entertainment when I'm not playing D&D for the <laughs> one day a week that we play. Yeah, and it's... You know, I told you before you started watching it, I was like, you know, try watching these other ones first because it's really good and you're not going to want to stop to watch something else. Yeah. And after watching it, I'm completely done with it. It's still hard to watch other D and D. Yeah. Because it's like, this is not, I I don't want to say it's not the quality, but I don't think of a, can't think of a better way to say it. It's not the same quality as critical role. Yeah. It's, it's not this, Uh, I I can already tell it's not going to be the same. There's like a, there's a aura around this show. It's its own thing. It's it's the whole, the whole critical role show, the whole Vox Machina setup. It's its own thing, and when it's just reduced down to, and I'm not, I'm totally not knocking anybody else that just plays this like in a plain non voice actor way, but you you kind of get the volume turned down when you don't have this. You know, yeah. If if it's just literally people looking at a paper and reading off numbers and they're not into their character, they're not into their game, they're literally just throwing numbers at something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's I would say there's even that little bit of production value to it too. I mean, I know not everybody can have a big studio, but you don't necessarily need it. Yeah. You just you need a little bit of a better setup sometimes. Um you need and a lot of them come down to you need a compelling story. Uh, it's a lot of, on a couple of things I've tried to watch since finishing it up, there's just not that meat to it. You know, yeah. you, you have, okay, we're fighting this for this reason, or this is going on for this reason. And some of them may be cool storylines as a, you know, in the big picture of things. But at that moment, it's like, all right, I'm, I'm bored. Nothing's going on. And yeah. it's not because the characters are having these moments, you know, even uh, with, you know, some of the Critical Role episodes were kind of slow. They're out shopping and stuff, which sometimes is interesting, but often is not. Um, yeah. It's just more nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. People are looking at things, trying to figure something out, but not in not in a way that keeps my attention. Um and you know sucks. when you when you got one character like at a shop and they're and she's um, when Vex is at a shop and she's just I mean totally talking down a fucking shopkeeper over mm-hmm. something you get a little bit of a laugh 
And then yeah. Scanlan goes off and hires a fucking painter to 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 paint this giant elaborate fucking. Pa- I'm like, you just made going out and shopping in the fucking marketplace interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So we had our own sort of shopping session. Yeah, we did. In our campaign this week. It was very interesting. It didn't get near as far as I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Um, but I... We're still new. We're still new. Yeah. What you, would you think of the session with nothing really major happening? Um, it's it's th- That's going to happen. So mm-hmm. I take that as it is. But since all of this is still so new to me, all of it's going to be interesting. Uh, I don't have to be in the middle of a fucking gigantic 20 o- army fucking ogre fight, you know, for, for me to have fun. Uh, it's interesting trying to, it's interesting seeing where the story is progressing, how it's progressing, how characters are reacting, how they're playing their characters. Uh, it, every session that we do, I have more insight into not only the characters that they've made, but the people themselves that are playing the characters. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I know Adam and I know you, but these other four people, I don't know and they don't know me. So right. it's, it's, it's learning, it's learning and growing all the way around. It's interesting. I liked it. Yeah. I still need to send a, uh, Text to Adam and ask him if he's trying to purposely get his character killed off. I don't think he's trying to get himself killed off. <laughs> uh, it was it was a very interesting session. Um, even though not, so I've had the next encounter planned out since before our second session. So I'm just kind of sitting here going, "Okay, I'm ready," <laughs> and then not quite getting there in the session. Um, well, we'll get there eventually yeah. in our own way. Maybe not even the way that you plan, but we'll get there. Yeah, and, that, and that's kind of why I want the encounter to happen, not just because I made this encounter. I want you to actually do it, but because mm-hmm. you basically come to a turning point or a choice point afterwards. You know, what are you going to do? Right. You know, is this is that's going to be the moment where it's like, are we going to stay a group? Or some of us is going to go our own way. What's right. what's going on? And I kind of need that to keep planning. Yeah. Um, so this last week, I've been doing a lot of campaign-related stuff, but most of it hasn't been um, actual, you know, like encounter session planning. It's been yeah. world-building. Um, I actually spent quite a bit of time... And it's funny how this works, you know, because uh, when I started making my uh, Twitch game, I started researching into various things, you know, game-related, uh, combat system-related things, actual formulas used behind the scenes in a lot of games, uh, particularly like Final Fantasy XI, uh, which I think has a fairly good combat system as far as uh, balance goes. Um, you know, of course, excluding certain class specific stuff, but as a whole, the combat system works very well. Mm-hmm. And I was doing the research to, you know, figure out how to make the game or how to calculate things in the game. And then it's like, all right, well, I need to make enemies now. So I started I'm like, okay, I want, you know, this type of enemy. I want 
You know, I'm of course going to have the classic, you know, goblins and orcs and whatnot. That's pretty straightforward. Um, and it's like, okay, what other things do I want? I'm like, well, a lot of games, you know, like Final Fantasy XI, again, you have bunnies you can kill, rabbits. So I'm like, all right, well, I need to have bunny enemies, and I have tiers of enemies, you know. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. bunnies you fight at level 1 aren't the same ones you're going to fight at level 50. So I'm like, all right, I need a list of rabbits and bunnies to uh, fight as you level. So I started going on Wiki, just looking up animals, their, uh, the different types of them, uh, and, you know, things that were related to. So, like, I have dogs in there for, like, rabid dogs, but I also have wolves, and I didn't really want to separate them. So I actually named the group the uh, term above it. Uh, mm-hmm. which, which is, it's not, canine is below, that's, you know, the dog-related one, but there's one above that that encompasses both dogs and wolves. So I had that, and I started breaking down, okay, well, what do I want? So I've gone through all this research about animals mm-hmm. while making this game that really has nothing to do with animals. But it's just this <laughs> chain of events that have led me to, you know, wanting a certain type of thing as far as, um, basically realistic anime names and stuff. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, with the goblins and orcs, I got funny, you know, within stuff and like the skeleton, um, zombies. I have like a slow zombie. I have a fast zombie and stuff like that. Um, I have a one legged or one armed orc or something like that, you know, so I got a little fun with those, but other ones, like I said, I just spent all this time researching it. And I ended up in the same kind of boat with D&D on my campaign mm-hmm. building. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm working out, you know, the landscape of the world, of the country, or not really, the continent that uh, you guys are on. And I was like, all right, you know what? I want to make a political map mm-hmm. because I, I have the country next to you or the region next to you, I need to kind of have a rough idea of how it works so that when you guys finally get a map and finally need more information about the area, I'll have something to tell you. And I was like, all right, I want to make a political map because I have a certain idea of what I want over here. And I started drawing figures. I'm like, I don't like this. These are all basically just blocks or misshapen blocks, no matter how hard I tried. You know, I was like, I don't like how this looks. Because countries and borders, like between the states, aren't these straight lines in most cases. You know, mm-hmm. Of course, there are some that are. Yes, I know. But in most cases, it's like, okay, there's a river that divides it in, all, in a majority of the cases. Um, yeah. It's a river um, or some other big landmark. I was like, all right, you know what? I don't really have any water on my map other than the you know lakes that are that were generated when I created it. So I spent hours creating waterways, rivers and uh, stuff. And then I'm like, all right, I, I want this to be realistic. You know, I don't want to just put random rivers places like, well, a river has to have a source. So I actually started looking at maps and pulling up wiki articles and stuff and looking at, you know, where do rivers uh, start? If you look at like the United States, where are the big rivers coming from it's like okay mountains up here you know a big water source or something there or it comes from way 
the fuck off and it's not even on the map at that point mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and it's really interesting if you look at a map of the united states that's a topographical uh river map they're everywhere and it's there's like i don't want to throw out a number but i'll just um I don't want to throw out a number and say that's the actual number, but just say seven. There are seven major rivers in the United States, and everything else branches off that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like the Mississippi River, that goes from, I believe, in Canada, all the way down to the south coast. So, that's a very, very huge river. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all these other rivers branch off of it, um, along it. Uh, so it's I use that as kind of inspiration to go, okay, so I need a good water source or a source for my river. Okay, so I need some mountains. I'm like, well, where do I want the river? So I guess there's some mountains over here now. Um, I didn't plan on there being mountains there, but that works. Um, already had mountains there. I'm like, I guess that's where my river is going to start. And it's, you know, how far do I want it to go before it stops? How many branches do I want it to do? So I'm just sitting here going through all these all these lines for rivers and I'm like I I it looks realistic it looks like a mess but that's if you look at our map of rivers they really are a mess you're um, world building man it's yeah. all good so it, it's very it's been an experience uh, going through this and like I said I spent a lot of time on the rivers and stuff and I'll still find spots where I'm like this doesn't seem like enough or yeah uh, I don't think I've, I've had a couple where it was too much, but only a couple. It's usually not enough. Uh, and from there, evolved. Okay, I guess there's some bogs and swamps around too. So I've added a couple of those. Um, and when I was finally done, I was like, oh yeah, I can go create my political map now. <laughs> so now I've spent all this time on geography. Now I can add the p- political map. And I did. I went through and I started following along the large waterways to a natural ending point for, you know, this state or country. And I'm like, this makes sense because it's easily defendable up to this point. And then that's where a point of contention would be between these two mm-hmm. regions. Okay, so that's... And I went through and I have... <laughs> it's... Uh, I have done that political map and I really like it now. Nice. But it took me like 12 hours plus total to get to that point um, between the the waterways, the general geography with mountains and whatnot, uh, and actually drawing the p- political map. Uh, I've um, I'm actually bouncing between because I I've mentioned mentioned this before. I'm not smart enough to use Photoshop, so I use Flash. Mm-hmm. And I I was having so actually what led me to using a different program, which isn't really a different program, was we were watching uh, WrestleMania on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So I brought the laptop over, which didn't have Flash installed. I'm like. You know, I have a Adobe subscription I got so I could have access to the uh, Adobe Pro PDF thing. I'm like, I'll see if I can download Flash for that because I'm pretty sure I can. Um, 
but it wasn't on the subscription I had. So I was like, okay, I'll add it. It's only a couple bucks more or whatever. But their subscription thing is very odd. And I didn't realize when I signed up for it, you actually are basically signing a contract for a year. Mm-hmm. So for me to get the plan I wanted, I would have had to cancel the one I had and then start the next one because you couldn't just upgrade it easily. Um, I think I would have lost access to the PDF thing the way it was. And I would have had to pay like 50, 60 bucks because that was a difference on, or that was like half of what I would pay for the rest of the contract. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was this early termination fee basically. So I'm like, okay, I don't want to do that. So I ended up getting another subscription to this one specifically to the Adobe's Creative Cloud, which includes Photoshop and all their other applications. Um, which is a whole nother topic with a very uh, a very annoying uh, model of doing business. Cause I, Tangent chaos, got it. Yeah. Um, but I ended up, because it's like 30 bucks a month, and what's another 30 bucks a month when it comes to D&D? I've spent so much money on books, digital and physical, and all these assets I've bought on Roll20 and stuff. What's another 20, 30 bucks a month, right? Um, so I I download the installer, and it gives you a list of applications you can download and install. You know, Photoshop, uh, InDesign, I think it's called, Fireworks, all, they're basically, they're sweet, you know. And the Flash application isn't called Flash anymore. It's something, it says something like animation and something else. Um, but it works the same way and has a pretty similar UI. But things don't actually work the same. Because um, if I can click the same tool, uh, like the pencil icon in both, and what and what they write on screen may or may not look the same, but also how it acts after you're done doesn't act the same. So I actually spent a bit of time having to go back and redo things because I did it in one program and then went back to the other one. Um, and now I've figured it out. So I actually bounced between the two programs uh, mm-hmm. based on what I want to do because the new program isn't very good for things you want to fill in. You know, you go and paint, you draw a circle, you click the uh, paint bucket in the middle, it's going to fill it in. Mm-hmm. And Flash, it may or may not do that depending on what tool you use. And between Flash and this animation program, I don't even know what the proper name of it is that uh, they changed it to. One, the old Flash program is better at filling in than the new one. It absolutely sucks at it. Um, so I end up having to redo things. Um, Sounds like you've had your work cut out for you. Yeah, it, it's been kind of fun. Um, but yeah, a lot of work. Um I'm also trying to figure out how dense I want the uh, world to be as far as population goes. And this is something I was actually looking into. I don't know if it's this morning or last night I found this reference that goes into what um, basically medieval times, what kind of population you would expect in, in this uh, this much square this many square miles of space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it, someone made a tool off of it, a calculator, actually calculate out what your population would be in these cities based on your d- density you assign 
and it'd be like how many villages are there and the point at which i don't like it is that it basically assumes that in your uh in your main country whatever size it is you're gonna have villages in the habitable parts of course but you're gonna have villages like every mile or so Mm. and i i don't like that um that's too much um yeah I, i get what they're saying and I'm not saying they're wrong, but in a setting like this, it doesn't quite work out. So even though this whole world building thing that I was reading was based on, you know, using it as a D&D setting, it's not really quite what I'm looking for, at least. Some people may want to do that, you know, a highly realistic uh, towards the middle age type world. But for my use, I don't really like it because that gives you no space in between to do things. And you have essentially no travel time. Right. It's like, all right, right, we're going from point A to point B. Well, we'll stop 30 minutes up the road at the, uh, you know, the next village and find a place to sleep or something like that. You have no travel time. Um, Mm -hmm. Because right now, like the capital from where you guys are, I'm kind of fluctuating on my map scale right now, but it's at least 100 miles, if not 200 miles. Wow. So... Uh, and I had told you when you guys were talking a little bit about your past that your thing was 600 miles away. Um, mm-hmm. Your thing isn't even in the country. Yeah. It's uh, around south along the coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've kind of worked up a story about that. We'll have to uh, get together at some point and kind of uh, walk you through, you know, how you got to where you were. And I'm going to mm-hmm. do this with all the players, but yours in particular because it's relevant to the world. And yeah, make sure you do this with all the people. <laughs> yeah, well, this campaign them, is not my character's campaign. This is all of our campaign. Yeah, but you have one of the bigger backstories, the big, more impacting backstories, I should say. Well, I will personally jab all the other players with knives and tell them <laughs> to get their shit filled in, um, because I don't want this to. I don't want this campaign to be about me. Like, if I have sure. an arc, sure, an arc for maybe an episode. But if it's like seventeen episodes long and we're still dealing with my shit, I'm. I don't. I don't want that. That's. that's no. 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 <laughs> yeah, your stuff, at least for what I've planned, is ongoing. Um, and I've already worked out, you know, stuff for a couple of the other players as far as things that may pop up related to them in the future. Um, I have one specific arc that deals with all the characters backstory kind of at once in Mm -hmm. ways um and as i'm fleshing out the world and that's one of the other reasons i was doing it because you know the cleric talked about his history and someone asked well where was this village and i was like oh crap i didn't even think about that we didn't talk about it um yeah so i actually just put a marker for that today on my map so that was that was uh, something for me in the session that we had that I was on the fence about doing. Uh, I wanted to push the narrative, mm-hmm. but I don't want me to push the narrative. I want my character to push the narrative. Right. So it was cool that, like, you know, we I, I liked I liked how we all woke up we were at the place we went well, we went and did a thing we came back we celebrated we had some we had some some uh ale some music some good times and i was like i wonder if anybody's gonna start talking to each other is anybody gonna say something 
So I made my I made my character just start talking. Yeah. I I don't want it to be me that's driving all this content, but I feel like sometimes I am. I'm talking to guards, I'm talking to people, I'm doing stuff and it's like, guys, we're all a part of this. Everybody needs to talk. And I know that some people have made like characters that shy away from people. That's cool. But my character's not a leader. <laughs> he's a he's a student that has been pushed out into the world to learn. He is not a fucking thirty year colonel, you know. Yeah. Some. Uh. But I wanted. I I I didn't want to do it, but I did because I want. I wanted some kind of cohesion. I wanted our characters to know about each other. But even though we've done a couple things together, and even though we technically know each other by name now, we can associate <laughs> names to faces, we know a little bit about each other's past, for some of them anyway, yeah. uh, there's still no unifying thing for us yet. I mean, we've done nothing where it's like, we're, we're not a group yet. We are a bunch of strangers that you know, said, yeah, there, sure, if, if there's money involved, I'll go get it, sure. And we went and got, we did the thing, and we got paid, and now we're back at the, at the place. So, I, I, I'm, I'm in no rush to have the thing that unifies us come up, but I can't wait for it. Now, it's it's going to, I, I can't wait till we start having these things that make us a group. That's going to define the people in the group. What we're doing right now we're all just a bunch of people that's just playing our characters. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not we're not a unit yet. You know, the 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 barbarian is doing what the barbarian wants to do. The 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 tiefling is doing what the tiefling wants to do. I'm doing what I want to do. But I have this feeling like most campaigns would probably would probably do again unless we're playing some campaign where we're all really out to get each other or we're all just like what the fuck ever there's gonna come some times down the road where somebody's gonna save somebody else or somebody's gonna do something to help somebody else out we're gonna become a family eventually i'm not looking to have that episode five Hmm. you know maybe maybe episode 20 30 after we've saved each other enough times and have done stuff right now we're just a bunch of people in a tavern that said oh there's money involved yeah sure i'll fucking tag along <clears throat> yeah, and I but think, even that was interesting again because we're just so new. We're all getting used to each other and seeing how each other react, both both in person and in the game. So it's cool. Yeah, I think there are you know a couple factors here that we're gonna have to, I mean, kind of get over the hump with. And one of them is that, like yourself, you're not the only person that's new to this. Um, and there are a couple players that don't necessarily know what to do, so to speak, as far as, you know, playing their character. Uh, And we have another player that specifically told me that he prefers to be one of the players that just sits there and does his thing but doesn't really, you know, jump in as much. So it's, there's going to be, someone has to step up, and I'm glad you have uh, to the point you are um, because it's helped things flow a little bit better. Uh, so that's you know the first kind of hurdle that we have to get over with the group as a whole yeah uh, moving forward and because like me personally just in my in my personal life i'm not a toe stepper and i don't want i do enough leadership shit in my personal life if there's another (laughs) party member in here 
It could be the bard. It could be the rogue. It could be the barbarian, though I don't know if the barbarian would be great at because typically <laughs> they don't have a lot of intelligence. But if there was a player that they they wanted their character to be the leader, to be the, the arrow tip, that I'd, I'd love for them to go forward. I'm just doing it because nobody else is doing it, and I kind of want us to, you know... Again, like when we went back to the tavern the second time, when we were back in there, I was like, all right, so just just imagine imagine you were a person in this tavern, not one of the characters, but a person, and you see these group of people come back in, and they just go their separate ways in the, in the tavern. You know, yeah. the bard's up on the stage strumming, and maybe the other, you know, maybe they, they so maybe they have the duel, that's fine, but, you know, the cat girl goes in the corner and doesn't talk to anybody and the barbarian fucking maybe goes and has a fight there's nothing that that person could look at these people and go yeah that's a group mm-hmm. they, they, they just came back from a good an epic struggle that's just some people that did some shit and came back and i'm looking to get us to where we're a group you know i i'm playing this because i want to be with a group i don't mm-hmm. want to be six people that just fucking do their own thing and I think the other... I embrace the party dynamic. <laughs> yeah. I think the other... One of the other issues is that everybody wanted to be a chaotic, neutral character. So yeah. we have, aside from the cleric who is chaotic good, nobody in the party really cares about... I, I, I'm not going to say doesn't care. That's not accurate. But don't care as much as a good character would about you know the bigger scheme of things you know right the, right this huge danger which is kind of what i'm waiting to see you know what happens you know uh, the next encounter and you know next session or maybe two depending how long it takes us to get through it will really determine okay is this something that everybody's interested in pursuing because mm-hmm. a chaotic neutral character may not you know, a party right. of good characters, whether that's chaotic good or, you know, lawful good or, you know, some mix, you're going to have them pretty much to a T want to see this through. At least you know, something, something you could do. This is a totally out of the game suggestion, mm-hmm. but something that you could do the day before or not the day before the day that we are going into the scenario where you're fairly certain that day we're going to go into the 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 changing you know the group building decision let us let the let everybody know and be like look because you're all chaotic neutral you're all capable of saying no if you decide for whatever reason the D isn't for you this group isn't for you uh this dynamic isn't for you then choose not to take the path and then maybe we could just you know you cannot be in it but if you're gonna play this group with us and you're gonna be a part of us you're gonna have to contribute you're gonna have to be the group sure i don't know maybe because i know i know i mean not everybody has to be the team player but i don't know i I really cling on to that thing that uh that um oh god i forget who it was now but the things about being a good player one of them was don't be that guy mm-hmm. you know nobody likes it it's been done before everybody knows the brooding sulking sits in the corner doesn't <laughs> talk to everybody 
there's five people at a table discussing what's going on and you're off in the corner fucking looking up at the stars and oh my, my I just keep to myself it's like yeah I I play D and D. I'm I'm looking to play D and D because I like the group dynamic. Yeah, I, I I like the idea of having five people with vastly different play styles and ideas playing their own individual characters, but but coming to a group consensus. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's going to be interesting how we get to that point. Yeah, um, based on what we've had and what we've seen. Um, I don't know how much Adam's talked to you about what he may want to do with this, uh, character. Um, so I don't want to mention too much about, but he has something he wants to do, which I'm okay with. Um, mm-hmm. but we just have to work out the logistics behind it. And I, going back to what you're saying about, you know, leader of the group. And if I break down, you know, the, characters in the group as they stand they're really only two that i see as filling that role um and that's you and the rogue yeah um the cleric is but the rogue already stole from the party fuck that (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's another thing that's definitely going to be interesting uh because that's going to cause a lot of strife in the group moving forward Um, yeah if that kind of stuff persists. But see, there it again. I, I'm I let something like that go because one, you're not I'm not gonna play a fucking meta game. Like I know that you stole from the from somebody in this group, but I it's not it's not that. I'm not trying to meta the game. What I'm also remembering is that we are a group of people. Yeah. We're not a team yet. We're not a fam we're definitely not a family. If this is four months into it, and I've got somebody in my party that's that's legitimately stealing shit and holding it back from the rest of us. There's problems right now. I don't know that guy. For me, that's a rogue doing what the fuck sure. a random rogue's gonna do. You know. Yeah, and that's something that me as a DM, I'm, I've already been thinking about it. You know, since that happened, how to avoid situations like that, mm-hmm. um, like when the players got the gold uh, in the last session. That wasn't mm-hmm. revealed to everybody. I sent a private message to each of them individually saying, this is what was in that bag of gold. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if Adam had kept it, I would have sent him the same message. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of eliminate some of the metagaming aspect and make it to where if someone does want to roll, when they get the result, that's a result. They don't know that they yeah. should keep pushing it or whatever. Um, right, right. So we'll work through things like that part. But, I mean, it's not an issue if that just doesn't happen. <laughs> right. The, the group right. is a group that isn't going to try screwing each other. Um, we'll see. We'll see how we all come together. Yeah. We'll see how it plays out. But all in all, yeah, I had a good time. Can't wait for the next episode. I keep saying episode like we're not, we're <laughs> not, fucking, not a fucking Twitch channel here, but that's basically what it is. I mean, can't yeah. wait for the next night, next episode, session. whatever. Right. Next session. Sure. Um, I guess does that wrap up our D and D in your week? The only other note I had, which kind of didn't really come into play, um, because the story didn't progress as much, but um, in the story, the date of what was happening was the half moon, 
Mm-hmm. And Monday night was actually the half moon in oh. real life. So that was oh. awesome timing and how it lined up. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was yet another... Go ahead, go ahead. That was another thing. I was I actually pulled up a calendar and I established a calendar for the world. And mm-hmm. I was looking into... I discovered that because I was looking at the moon phases and actually seeing, you know, what kind of... Basically, what date would we be on if it was... And I rolled randomly for the month and ended up being March. Um, so it's the D&D equivalent of March on the date that the half moon is. And that happened to fall on or it ended up being April or whatever. Uh, yeah. Or no, in game it's March. Really, we're in April. Um, yeah. So the dates don't line up one for one. But Monday, yeah. In game and in reality, we're both half moon nights. That's pretty cool, man. Pretty cool stuff. All right. Well, I guess I'll move on to my week. My week also consisted of D&D and Critical Role. Hey, look, we're already halfway through my week. <laughs> Actually, we're about three quarters through my week because mm-hmm. the only game that I've played has been Monster Hunter World still. I'm, uh, well, I, th- there is a slight other piece of news, but since it's kind of in the future, as in tomorrow, uh, I'm not going to be able to talk about it. Uh, my wife did mention after the last episode that she did want to see Ready Player One. And um, we're going to go see it. We're going to go see it tomorrow night. We've got tickets lined up. Okay. And uh, we'll see. And she she's she's nervous about it on my end because she knows how I am and she thinks I've already judged the movie and I <laughs> I I let I laid it out to her and I, I want to make it clear to the audience as well. Um if I came across hundred percent negative last episode about that movie, let me redact that. I don't hate this movie, but I haven't seen this movie. <laughs> I don't have negative shit that I think about this movie. Like I don't fucking look down this movie. At the, you know, I don't look down my nose at this movie. I don't know. All I know is that when I watched it, I have 50 people coming to me and saying, this movie is made for you. And mm-hmm. I look at the trailer and go, I, I mean, it's got some cool little things in it, but it's not, it's, I'm not, I don't hate this movie. I don't love this movie. I don't, well, trailer. I don't hate the trailer. I don't love the trailer. Nothing about the trailer made me go, I've got to go see this movie, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of going this with a, with open eyes, and we'll we'll see if I come out this movie and I do fucking backflips out the theater. Well, then cool. It grabbed me for whatever reason. Um, I have no back source to this movie because I haven't read the book. I haven't had a chance to listen to the audiobook, so I'm totally blind with all of this. I've had a few things spoiled for me here and there because you know people gonna spoil, <laughs> but <clears throat> the the main point about this movie for me based on the trailers is that when you see this stuff in the trailers, what everybody has been harping on is like all the references. Oh man. Remember Chucky? That's cool. Right. Oh, remember Halo? That's cool. Right. Oh, remember Akira? That's cool. Right. That's not what draws me to this movie. It's not what turns me away from it, but that's not like, I didn't see this and go, look at all this cool stuff in this movie. I want to go see this movie because of the cool stuff. I yeah. would want to go watch this movie because there's a, there's a good story. Uh, I've heard pretty good things about the book. I've heard this book's got a damn good story. I just have no reference because I haven't, haven't ingested it yet. So We shall see. Next episode, I should give a little, uh, hopefully, spoiler-free review above uh, my take on Ready Player One. All right. Um, Monster Hunter World, yeah, still playing that. 
uh, I, I I should jump my TV over and see how many hours I'm into it, but I don't know. I mean, I've been playing it since the time I mentioned it. It's got to it's got to be close to two three weeks now. I have now made it through what now I do know I have made it through the campaign itself or what's available through the camp of the campaign because I've got I got credits this time. So I know the <laughs> campaign parts finished. Uh, and now there's a big up in the air about what I'm to do because there is no main drive. A lot of a lot of everything after the main campaign from what I can gather is just building your hunter rank. Uh, doing your optionals, doing your extras, doing your expeditions, uh, the DLC stuff, which I'm up in the air about the DLC. I'll get to that in a second. But I'm still, I'm still back and forth with what I'm doing. I still do. I'll, I'll go pick some optional missions or missions that I want to do, and then I'll go jump. Man, I jump in SOS and and uh, I go. I join games all the time, like. 80% of the time I'm playing this game, I'm joining somebody else's game. Mm-hmm. Which brings up an interesting point because I come from the Dark Souls world. I come from this style of combat where it's I'm going to go solo a boss and if I just cannot fucking do it, if I'm sick to fucking death of trying, I, then I'll call somebody for help. I think to date in Dark Souls 1, the only boss in that entire game that I have not soloed was Calamite the Black Dragon. Uh, I have I fought that fucker. It had to have been a week. I'm talking 10, <laughs> 15, 20 times a day dying to that fucker. I don't know what it was. I don't know how I couldn't. Uh, I've soloed every other boss. That's every other boss in that game. That Yes, that's Ornstein and Smo, and that's without cheaping. Like, th- th- there's nobody that I cheaped in that game. I soloed every other boss on my own. And yes, almost all of it was grinding my fucking face against the concrete. It was going in, getting my ass kicked, going back, getting my ass kicked, going back, getting my ass kicked, back and forth, until I finally got the patterns down, I got better. I got good to beat the bosses. Calamine, I just could not do. I'm saying all this because that is not the attitude that I get in Monster Hunter World. Monster Hunter World is, hey, let's go. You know, Monster Hunter is, get in there and leave the shit open because we want to play with you. We want to help you. We want we to, this is a group thing. Yeah. Uh. I know that in Monster Hunter World, you can create a match and you can set the player count to one. I know that. I know that you don't have to throw out an SOS uh, SOS flare, and I know that you don't have to join somebody else's game. It is possible for that for you to solo everything in that game, and it's it's up it's up to you. You can do that, but the game really leans you toward. No, this is kind of a group thing, man. Number one, whenever you go make a match, if you don't change anything else, it's already set to a max of four people. It's already set there, and you don't even and, and you don't have to fire off a flare in that game for people to come help you. If it's if it's open, people can just join your game. Sure. If anything, SOS is just another way for people to know, hey, you you need help right now. But I'm saying all this because I don't I think of the 30 something monsters in this game that you fight, I think I've soloed maybe 5, maybe 4 or 5 of them. 
Hmm. All the other ones, I just get in, and if people join my match, I'm like, fuck yeah, come on, man, let's go. If one person joins, cool. If four people, if it's all four of us, hell yeah, let's go. I don't have my panties in a twist about playing this game with a group mindset because I feel like that's the way they wanted this game to be played. And I have more fun that way. Sure. I've had many, many chances to play this game solo, and I've just opted not to. It's not because the bosses are hard. I mean, they are. There's some fucking kick-your-face bosses in this game, but I get more fun out of, in this game from the group dynamic. And especially me, being that helpful-minded person I am, I have gotten a shit ton of my own personal entertainment by just going into a match and just fucking helping somebody else. Yeah. You know, I'll see an SOS flare up and I'll see the time has been like 27 minutes. Nobody <laughs> else is with this person. I'm like, well, shit, that's as obvious. They've been getting their ass kicked. Yeah. And then you get in the match and see they've fainted twice already. And I'm thinking, yep. So this is somebody that's trying their damnedest to beat this boss. This may be the fifth time they fought this boss. Who knows? They, they're probably beating their fucking head against the wall. We can't die anymore. If they die again, their match is over. They got to come back into this shit again. Let me go in here and help. And then we go in there and together we kick this boss's ass. And then you see fucking 300 thank yous fly through the screen. <laughs> I'm like, that's, you know what? You're fucking welcome. I, I understand your pain. I feel you. Yeah. When, Happy to help. When I play the game, I think that's what I'm going to do. Because I normally, even in a multiplayer game like this, I at least at the start want to just play through it on my own. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe I'll enjoy it more. Um, if I do that and just hop into other games. Yeah. We'll it's also a good way to build your own cars. I mean, if you're, if, if, if you're going into these other optional or other matches period and you're, you're bringing down beasts or you're capturing them, you're getting rewarded too. So you are also building your armor up. You, you're being able to, to, to craft better armor and you're helping people at the same time. Yeah. So, uh, aren't too many bosses that, again, with this group dynamic, it's hard for me to really, really judge hard ones because uh, it seems like the last 10 or so, most most of the high rank bosses for me, at least the later, the latter half of the high rank bosses I've fought, it's been, I've had those opportunities where I've made a match, have went in, and nobody has joined me for like 20 minutes, so it is me soloing this shit. Mm -hmm. Most of them are difficult. I will grant that. <coughs> Excuse me. Most of them are difficult, but I mean, to me, I, I take it from a Dark Souls perspective. I take it, I take that mindset. I just got to know the patterns. They all have tails. They all have things they do. You have a dodge button. Uh, if you pick the sword and shield class, you have a you have a shield to block shit. Uh, it's it's almost like a bloodborne mentality when you play this game. If you know, if you can watch what they're doing and 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 dodge correctly and manage your stamina, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, you can solo all this stuff. Right. Uh, there are a couple bosses that have given me a shit pain in my ass. One of them has been uh, what is the uh, uh near Gigante is one of them recently, and it's it's mainly this is fresh on my mind because I'm trying to uh. I'm trying a new weapon class, and I'm trying to max right. out the, uh, yeah, so I've got to get something, I have to get a specific thing from him to drop, so I've had to fight him repeatedly, and there haven't been too many missions that I can join, so I've had to make my own, which means I had to solo him for a while until somebody comes and helps me, or people come and help me, and yeah, he, he, he he's a little fucking asshole for sure. <laughs>
But uh, so yeah, the Mega Man thing. There's been some DLC recently. There's a uh, there's a fucking DLC content option that has your uh, your Palico has a costume that is that is Mega Man. You become a 3D pixel version of Mega Man, which that had me that had me tickled. Yeah, I saw that earlier kinda, when I was looking through news. Kind of creepy to see Mega Man in a true 3D pixel, <laughs> but I mean, come on, man, I. I I would have rather had Rush, but your Palico's a cat. That would have been yeah. weird. They picked Mega Man. I'm cool with it. I see Mega Man somewhere. That's all good with me. Uh, something that I have been... I did mean to bring up since the first time I've been playing this game. I have noticed this. I love the ways that your Palico assists you. Like I remember playing Monster Hunter 3 without having assistance like that. And this fucking cat is great. I love being knocked out and your cat running up to you and smacking you in the head to wake <laughs> you up. I love that. That is so fucking cool to me. That is one of the best features of a fucking Palico to me. Because, man, when you're knocked out, you're fucked. If you're paralyzed, you're fucked. And I'll get put. I'll be put to sleep or I'll be stunned and my cat will run up to me and fucking knock me in the head and I'll wake up and I'm back in the battle. I'm like, thanks, dude. So I'm enjoying Monster Hunter. Uh, I will be playing this probably until uh, God of War comes out and maybe maybe even beyond. My play style right now, again, I'm 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 slowly working on fin- checking off all the boxes in my with my missions, uh, and building my hunter rank as well. I pretty much have a a, a solid set of armor that I have built. That's another cool thing about Monster Hunter World. Like you can basically. You can fashion yourself out. Uh, you don't have to pick the newest armor to get the best defense because they have an armor upgrade system in it. So you can pick like a third boss of the game armor, which is shit for defense. Sure. But you can constantly upgrade that to get it to have good defense. So you basically can fashion yourself out however you want to. And I've got a pretty pretty cool armor set for that, myself that's good now that I'm set on. Yeah, it's. it's I, I was getting annoyed because I was, you know, crafting armor, and I'm like, "Well, I just crafted this." Mm-hmm. But then I unlocked this, which is better. I'm oh. I'm pretty sure, except for DLC, uh, and it. I mean, maybe there's some optional stuff I haven't unlocked yet. I highly doubt it, though, because I think I have every single armor set and piece unlocked and available now. Mm-hmm. I would just have to, of course, hunt the parts for it. Right, but. Since that, I have went through and piecemeal the actual set that I want. Like, I want this helmet, I want this armor, and these legs, etc., etc. And I, then I just upgraded them to to the max defense that I can have, which also increases every time your cap increases. But now I can look how I want to look. So now any changes for, changes for me come from wanting to play with different weapons, which is what I had literally just started today. I picked up the dual blade set today. And I'm going to start playing around with that, see how that works. I really want to go through it. I want to try to go through, if not everyone, a majority of all the weapons and see what I like. I have ran through this whole entire campaign with the Switch Axe. No complaints, aside from it being slow and very committed. But I'd like to try the other ones just because I've never tried the other ones. Yeah, I think starting out, I think I started with the uh, dual blades Mm -hmm. and I've tried the uh i don't know what's actually called but the buster sword essentially style mm-hmm. um, like the great sword yeah. yeah and i've gone between those two 
Yeah. Yeah. So that that that's me. There's no real main central drive. It's just a lot of playing around, checking boxes and helping people out. And I'm having fun doing it, so cool beans. It will definitely tie me over till God of War comes out. And I think Yeah, I think that's it for my week. Unless there's anything else, Chris, I think we can roll into this week's topic. Yeah, I think that's it. Which is the top any top ten NES games, which the the uh, the top li- the these t- these top lists are individualistic. Chris has yes. his top ten. I have my top ten, and a uh, little bit a little bit of fighting, a little bit of internal decisions over this list being made. But uh, I did the damn thing. <laughs> I got it ready. Uh, a few a few. Uh, rules and cautions i guess you'd say for the audience uh a personal rule that i did i don't know if chris did this or not but a personal rule that i did was i only picked one game from from a franchise because if i'm being strictly honest i'd have at least three to four Mega Man games on this sure. list i only picked one uh second uh, this is for both of us. This is a end of time cast statement to you guys and gals is that these lists are not based on sales strictly. They're not based on popularity strictly. They're not based on best word of mouth strictly. These are our personal lists. This is if you went to Chris in the street and said, hey, Chris, what's your top 10 NES games? And for whatever reason, Chris has picked his. Same with me. So if we pick some game that if we did not pick some game that did sell 80 million copies i'm sorry we either didn't play it or we just didn't think that was as good as what we did pick so these lists are personal they're 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 close to our hearts uh we don't discuss our lists with each other during the creation or before the episode so the both of these lists are surprises for both of us and uh we will discuss our games individually if we d- if we have the same game, we will talk about them collectively, except for the top three. I believe it was three or was it five? It was top three. It was top three, yeah. Uh, so if Chris, if, for example, if Chris's number seven is Final Fantasy, but it's my number one, uh, then I'll let him talk about it. I won't say a damn thing, and I'll talk about it when it comes to time for mine. But if his was number seven and mine was number six, then we'll talk about it together. I hope that makes sense. It's just a way for us to overlap each other but keep our top three. It gives our personal top three their own spotlight mm-hmm. individually as we see them. Yeah, and I, I will throw out that I do have uh, one game, or sorry, one series where I did pick two games. That's, um, that's kind of for a specific reason. But other yeah. than that, yeah, all mine, I, I opted for one out of a series that had more than one other than this one series. Yeah. It's fine. Again, there's the, this is this is not a set rule that I put for the end of time cast anyway. It's something I was just thinking about because again, I would probably have four Mega Man games on this <laughs> list, and uh, as much as people love Mega Man like me, nobody wants to hear that shit. So, all right, well, uh, I guess we will start off with the list starting at number ten. Uh, Chris, yeah, give me your number ten. So my number ten, I actually mentioned recently. Um, and that is Kicks. Yep. Now, I played it on the Game Boy, but since it was ported to Nintendo, it gets on this list. Um, partly because I actually 
kind of struggle with this list uh, because I didn't play a whole lot of Nintendo and I was trying to do, for the most part, you know, not multiple games in a series, so that kind of limited me. Uh, but I, you know, I've talked about with Alleyway before, I put a lot of time into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's another, just like Alleyway, basically a time waster where you're just, you know, in this case, uh, what kicks is, is it's basically a snake-like game where you're moving your icon across the screen and it draws a line behind you. But mm-hmm. instead of just having a snake that moves across the screen, you're actually drawing shapes, uh, squares, rectangles, etc., um, and combinations of, and you're filling in the screen while avoiding whatever obstacles are on the screen. Um, in some cases, there would be things that actually went around the level on your little wire, we'll call it, um, mm-hmm. that you move across and actually follow. And if you hit it, it's just like something hitting you on the board. Um, I believe the thing with this is if your square or shape was incomplete it and something hit it, it would kill you. So you not only were, you know, trying to stay away from the thing, whatever you were building had to be done or I guess building is a good enough term. I don't know what's a better word, but whatever <laughs> you're making, um, you have to finish before it gets back to you. So you're like, all right, it bounced away. I have, you know, five seconds to draw something and you're like, uh, and you push it. And maybe you make it, maybe you don't, um, whether or not you lose a life or not. But it was yeah. it's a fun little time waster. Um, I like games like that because you could literally build shapes that would trap the thing in a certain area, and then you'd have free reign. You could basically fill in the rest of it. Uh, <laughs> there's always you know these strategies of at the very first move of a level, I'm just going to see how big I can get. You know, mm-hmm. and you may knock off like a quarter of the level because of the angle, the thing you have to avoid started at. Um, so overall, solid game as far as that goes. Uh, simple, but entertaining. Um, so yeah, it went to number 10 on my list. You know what's funny? <clears throat> this is going to come into play on my number 10 as well. What... What genre would you consider Kicks to be? Um, hmm. I don't know. Um, I actually have the wiki article, and it just calls it an arcade game. Well, y- yeah, it doesn't. They got a list. If you go down, if you look, if you do have the wiki article up, mm-hmm. I have the arcade one up, and it scrolls down on the right side. It says genre. They have it listed as action. No. <laughs> yeah, ain't that something? But I didn't that was see that. this Chris before I release release before I reveal <laughs> my top ten. Uh, this was something that I was rolling in my head around all fucking day, and it's because it, it, it's partially because I overthink a lot of things. But I I, it, I would almost want to say that that game sounds like a puzzle game, kind of. Sure, that would fit. What game would you classify Dr. Mario as? Um, I believe they're also considered puzzle games. Tetris? I mean, yeah, same genre. Yeah, but usually puzzle games. Yeah. But then I thought about puzzles like in real life. That, does, that, does that term really match up for what they are? 
I mean, and yeah, you're you're putting pieces crazy. together to solve something. I true, mean, true. Yeah. Uh, or if it's like it's something that doesn't, you, you have to fit, yeah, yeah, all the way around, just fitting pieces in that belong to make something make sense mm-hmm. or to, to or to make something whole, I guess. Uh, the reason why is because my number 10 is Adventures of Lolo. Uh, I brought this up as well on a, on a, a past episode, and right. uh I have always in my head considered this a puzzle game, and thankfully the wiki for this also calls it puzzle. Puzzle <laughs> action, which I would also agree, because there are action elements to this game, but it's definitely a puzzle game. Uh, and just to clarify, is this the first one? Uh, yes, okay. the first one. Because unfortunately, I only played Lolo 2 for maybe a couple hours, and dude, we're talking back in my single-digit age. <laughs> so I don't remember much about it. I think there's like 27 Lolos out there. Well, there were three played... on Nintendo alone. Yeah, yeah. Or NES, rather, I'll say. Yeah. Uh, I've played the first one several times. I beat it twice, and I've, I've played... I, I love playing this game. This is why I made my list, because this is one of my go-back-to games as a young kid. And long... Uh, I had already played Pac-Man at this time. I had played a lot of the typical puzzle-style uh, action-y games for the Atari, uh, like Centipede and, and uh, War Command, whatever, Tanks, whatever. Uh, I played Tetris. I played a lot of puzzle games. This was my kind of puzzle game. Uh, the way this game plays is there are multiple f- floors to this game. Maybe they're levels. I consider them floors because I'm pretty sure when you beat this uh, level, you go upstairs to the next room. It's essentially a castle you're working your way through. Every single floor has a puzzle, be it basic or intricate, to very fucking difficult to have to uh, complete in order to move up to the next floor. When you start the game, it has very basic fucking puzzles. Like, I need to push... The, it, it, it teaches you things... It teaches you the basic mechanics as you progress through the levels. Like, the first, like, ten or so teach you basic stuff. As you progress past that, they will introduce new enemy types that you pretty much will trial and error or mm-hmm. by death learn that, you know, how these enemies work, how the terrain works, etc., uh, and they start off pretty simple, you know. There's there's a a fucking a button behind a wall. If you push this block or behind a block, if you push the block out of the way, step on there, boom, you've un- you've unlocked the stairs. The sure. next one will have like an enemy. Uh, if you pick up this thing that looks like a power up, oh, it is a power up. It gives you exactly one shot. If you use that one shot to shoot the enemy, it'll turn into a ball. You can push the ball out of the way, and then boom, you got the. It progresses you very baby steps. After about floor five, I mean, uh, about after, say, about five to ten floors, they get very di- intricate, very, very difficult. There are almost boss, uh, there are almost bosses at, at different increments of this game as well, which tend to be usually giant versions of basic enemies. But as far as puzzle games go, this was always the most fun for me. This has a lot of replay value. You can go back and play this today. I would almost equate this to the same level as playing Tetris to this day. It's it's basic to start out with, just like Tetris is basic to start out with. The difference is Tetris will throw blocks at you way faster as you progress through Tetris. 
this game gives you more and more puzzle elements to play with. It gives you more and more scenarios per level to play with in order to progress. So it's a it's a more engaging puzzle game for you to enjoy. Uh, I do plan on going through this trilogy sometime, sometime in, in my future <laughs> because I'd love to play all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of fond memories playing this as a kid. And that phrase right there is a staple for almost all of these games, pretty much all of these games that made my top 10. Uh, if it Again, if it didn't make my list and it was a great game, I'm sure it did. Trust me, that's going to come up. But this, these are games that I played a lot and got a lot of personal enjoyment out. It could be just victim of circumstance. Maybe I just had this game. This game was cool for me because... Uh, at a place where I lived back in my childhood, one of my next door neighbors was a friend of my parents and I would go to their house all the time because they're, I mean, they're a neighbor. Uh, I went to the house all the time and they had a son and a daughter and the daughter was actually in the video games slightly like uh, we, we played, we played all kind of kids, you know, kids games, we went swimming, bike riding, all that shit. But she played video games with me. And they had a Nintendo, and this was one of like the five games they had. And I, cool, I'll check this game out. And holy shit, I had fun. And it's it's always stuck in my mind as one of my favorite puzzle style games. Uh, if I wanted to go and play a puzzle game on Nintendo, this is the one that I went for. Mm-hmm. So it made my top ten list and made it at number ten. Chris, what about your number nine? So my number nine, and I actually wasn't sure what to put here. Um, I put Kicks at number 10 because it was more of a sentimental type game. Mm-hmm. But I needed something that was on Nintendo or on NES that I played and I thought, you know, deserved a top 10 spot. So I went with Pac-Man. Okay. Um, admittedly, I didn't play a lot of Pac-Man, but I didn't really have a way to play it. Um, most of my Pac-Man plays, I do have some... Or I should say, I have very little experience with it in the arcade itself, but I played more of it on um, basically console packs or bundles that had mm-hmm. it included, uh, that type stuff. But it's a, I mean, it's a classic. You know, it's everybody knows what it is, and it. I don't. It, it's interesting as a franchise because they made. A ton of Pac-Man games. Good God, um, did they ever. I'd be curious to actually look up the number of them. But they made tons of them. And I I mainly throw on my list because of the impact it had. Even if it's not, you know, a Mario-sized impact. Mm-hmm. It was still a large impact. Um, and I think that's respectable. I think Pac-Man was the 80s Mario if that makes sense. The hmm. late 70s, early 80s Mario. Sure. Because, I mean, Pac-Man is a fucking icon. Yeah. It is up there. Mario, Sonic, Pac-Man. Yeah. After that, you had, you know, you had Master Chief, fucking uh, whatever assassin from Assassin's Creed. Yeah, but <laughs> it seems like Pac-Man was almost the universal OG fucking mascot for gaming so yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's a spot yeah uh my number nine if that was it for yours yeah. sorry i mean everybody <laughs> okay. knows what pac-man is i don't have any special stories or sentimental right. things about pac-man it's just yeah, a nice Pac-Man, respectable right? game yeah 
Uh, my number nine. This is gonna seem like a retread from episodes because I swear I just talked about this one recently <laughs> too. Um, my number nine was Adventure Island Two. Uh, I believe the first adventure was Hudson's Adventure Island. Uh, I'm struggling to see here <laughs> who made. Oh, now Hudson Soft still made it. Uh, yeah. I would assume they did. They got a big fucking logo on the side of the box. Uh. <laughs> I have only ever played Hudson's Adventure Island 1. I've played 2, uh, Super Adventure Island, and that's it. I know there was a third one. There may have been, there may have even been some other games, but uh, I actually enjoyed Hudson's Adventure Island 1 when I first played it. I find it, I found it equally difficult, but equal, but, but charming as well. Uh, Adventure Island 2, same it's same idea, same concept, side-scrolling, jump over things, get some upgrades, throw shit at enemies to kill them. But the addition, and again, this is from a kid's perspective that I played this, was you found you could find these four uh, different card icons throughout random spots in the game that would let you ride or transform into... Uh, actually, no. You you rode on top of uh, different dinosaurs. There was the typical suit-looking cards. You had the 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 diamond, the heart, the spade, uh, and the club. And they turn into different things. There was a, a pterodactyl you could fly. There was a I guess dip dip diplodocus, a ness a nessie-looking thing that you could you could swim. It lets you swim underwater more. There was a some kind of spiky-headed looking dinosaur that, that would throw out spikes whenever it, it would lash its tail out. Their movement speed would increase, etc. And you could also collect these and keep like a stash of them so you could use them in levels if you wanted them and you couldn't find it like that card in a level. Basic generic fucking side-scrolling shit but adding rideable dinosaurs into it that, that would change how you progressed in the levels. I loved it. Had a lot of fun every time I got to play it. I didn't get to play it as much as I would like to, but this was uh, collecting things and turning into things was up my alley. This 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 is all this is on on the same level as say Little Nemo. It's one of the reasons why I like Little Nemo was the fact you could change into or ride things, and I, I love that. Again, as a kid, it was right up my alley. So Hudson's Adventure Island two made my number nine. Definitely had fun playing it. What about your number eight, Chris? So my number eight is another one I talked about. And you're talking about how we've talked about most of these games already. Well, we just got up to 91 on our uh, year in reviews. And mm. a lot of these games came out 91 and prior. Um, mm. But my number eight is one I talked about last week, uh, Lemmings. Um, yeah. I played it on PC, but it did originally come out on the Amiga I didn't play on the Amiga, um, but it's still, I spent, this is another game, spent so much time playing um, to re, uh, repeat what it was for those that didn't watch the last episode, Shame on You. Um, yeah, because we're totally a show. You need yeah, to watch us. need to watch it. Just watch the screen and listen to us. Watch the screen uh, and listen. <clears throat> anyway, uh, <laughs> so... It's based on the premise that you need to get your little guys called lemmings from point A to point B. Uh, point A being wherever they spawn, point B be being a door 
somewhere on the map and you have various obstacles and what your job is as the player is to assign roles to these lemmings individually that will help them overcome obstacles. Um, some of these roles are permanent. You put a stop guy, which is basically like a uh, the um, person in a you know school crossing zone that necessarily holds a stop sign, uh, and they just stand there. You never get that lemming back for the rest of that level. Um, so that counts against your total that you've rescued. But, but they're often necessary. Otherwise, they may right. all jump off a cliff because they're going to walk in a straight line. And if there's a wall, they bounce off it and go the other way. If there's a hole, they jump in the hole. Um, and you have various roles. You can give them like the stopping, the uh, building, so you can build over these holes. But you have to be careful with it because when they stop, they keep going. So at whatever bridge they're building, when they stop building, they just start walking. Um, mm-hmm. So you have this interesting mechanic where like, all right, I need to progress further, but then they're going to walk off over this pit. So you have to do some maneuvering with uh, stop guys and going back and forth and stuff. Um, you dig through uh, certain materials as long as it's, I think there's materials that will actually stop you from digging through. But you have diggers that will dig straight forward. Um, there are miners that go at an angle, and I think they have different things they can dig through. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have, you can make lemmings explode, which actually have practical uses aside from when you've lost the level and you're just going to make them all explode out of anger. But uh, you may need to call and it because when you explode, it does dig out, you know, part of the level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it also hurts nearby lemmings, but eh, it's one of those things where I think you also had to do it technically to finish a level if you had stop guys. Or maybe that's just something we did for fun, because um, the stop guys aren't going to get rescued at all, or aren't going to you know leave the level. So when everything's through, you just start the. You could actually click a button that would cause everybody to blow up. This is basically a nuclear button, uh, mm-hmm. the red button, and it would. They'd all get a timer over their heads, three, two, and one, and then, oh no, and blow up. <laughs> uh, and it was, it's like popcorn exploding on yeah. the screen. It's hilarious. Um, yeah. But I played this game starting in fourth grade. I talked about last time where that was the first grade where we had computers in the classroom. And that was one of the games on there that wasn't, you know, purely educational. And we spent tons of time on it. Uh, Solid game. It's still fun. I played it not terribly long ago. And there's also a remake or sequel that came out. I want to say... I don't know. I'll have to find it. But there was a new one. I say new. But it was fairly recent. Or it was in one of the packs that came out. So I'll probably play it again soon. Mm -hmm. What about you? For my number eight? Yep. That's going to be Metroid. Made by Nintendo. Published by Nintendo. Uh, This one, I unfortunately didn't get to play until my teenage years. I had played it randomly when I was a kid. Uh, Never had friends that had it. Just very unfortunately didn't really play it a lot as a kid. But when I... 
junior high and high school, I finally got my own copy. And holy crap, this started it. This started the whole Metroidvania <laughs> shit for me. Uh, I think immediately after this, uh, probably the next year, within the next year or so, I had got uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. So, yeah. Uh, so, Metroid for the Nintendo. This was one of the progenitors of the Metroidvania uh, genre that people know of is so popular today. The idea is very simple as far as the genre. You're moving around this map. You're navigating, side-scrolling, action, running left and right. You're trying to figure out where to go. You're going to get to an area that's blocked. It's going to have a, a door that has a lock on it. Well, I can't get through here because I need a lock. So, obviously, I can't go this way. Let me go, re- let me go search around some more. Then you're going to find another place. It looks like a dead end, but the floor has a weird texture to it. Well, obviously, I'm shooting it. That's not doing any good, but it's changing the color and the shape. and the, It's changing it. So I obviously can go through this, but I don't think I have the means to do it right now. And then you're going to go to another area. You're going to fight a boss, and you're going to get a key. You go, oh, I know where that key goes, and you're going to go back and unlock that area. Mm-hmm. So on and so forth. This is the game that started that for me. Whether this is the actual first in the in the uh, genre, I don't know. I'd have to do some deep research, which I've never done. But this is the first for me, and I love this. I love that. I love the idea of this gameplay style. I love exploring, hit, hitting walls, and progressing forward. Yeah. Uh, there, there have been many that have done. They've done so much more. There's, uh, I don't think, let me, let me think. I don't believe that there's a Metroid game that I have played that I don't like. I've never played, uh, Metroid Z, uh, not Zero Mission, uh, Metroid Other M. The yeah. narrative in that game drives me fucking nuts just hearing about it, but I haven't <laughs> played the game. I don't know. And of course, there are lots of Castlevania games, really, I'd say with Castlevania 2 and then and then most of the ones beyond. Uh, Castlevania series in and of itself is kind of split. You either have side-scrolling whip em up or you have uh, the Metroidvania style. Mm-hmm. But this was the first one for me that this, this just blew my mind. Going through areas and fighting bosses and getting power-ups and hunting all over the map uh, this game did not have a map feature, so you had to kind of do your own. Oh, man. Ugh, so many good memories with this game. Having so much fun. Uh, yeah, this, The exploring part. Of, go, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. This game is number five on my list, too, by the way. Oh, wow. Nice. Well, then, have at it. Uh, I mean, you've, you, you're able to say so much more about it than me. Um, I, this is another series that I have a lot of respect for. And I played, I've played several Metroid games. Um, I have whichever one was on GameCube, uh, and that would be Metroid Prime. Yeah. Yes, and I, I I've never beat a single Metroid game. Um, I think it's mainly because of just the time it takes to sit down and go through it. And I'm not, <clears throat> I've, I learned a long time ago that I'm not good at movement on old school Nintendo games. Um, and I've talked about this a little bit on Mega Man, but Metroid is another game where, um, I think I had issues with movement, uh, cause I, and I didn't play it on Nintendo or I, I played the Nintendo version on emulator. 
It wasn't one I played on an actual Nintendo or NES. Um, but I do agree that it, if it wasn't the first game to do that kind of style, it was certainly probably the, the, <laughs> it's funny trying to phrase this, the first best one, the best yeah. first one. Yeah. The first one that did it right. Um, yeah. <laughs> so even if it wasn't, I certainly think it's fair to give it the credit. Uh, right. Based right. on the, uh, what it's set up for the future. Um, it's also, uh, not Metroid specifically, but Super Metroid is one of my favorite, uh, for SNES, one of my favorite speedrun games to watch. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Watching someone that's very good at the movement in a game like this is awesome to watch. Speaking of uh, Metroid speedrunning, Chris, save or kill the animals? Uh, I, 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 I'm usually save just because okay. I want that little bit more gameplay. Okay, me too. Okay. <laughs> so you've heard it here, folks. End of time cast. Save the animals. We will donate our $10 next year or at the next GDQ. <laughs> we should totally get, uh, we should totally donate just to see if we can get our podcast announced on it. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, and we have $10 from the end of time cast. Hey, check out the end of time cast on SoundCloud. <laughs> Save the animals. <laughs> this, episode, this podcast sponsored by Games Done Quick. <laughs> no, we want that. We want that money to go where it belongs. Fuck cancer. Speaking of which, that's another tangent. Is that Deadpool has a fuck cancer uh, campaign running on Facebook right now? I thought that was cool. Nice. Which also, I think fuck cancer was a choice you could make in Saints Row the Third. Or the fourth, yeah. At the beginning of the at the beginning of the game, spoiler warning for Saints Row Four. There's a section where the president comes to you and it's like you can end world hunger or, or get rid of cancer. And I forget what the eat. I forget what the hunger choice was, but the cancer one was was fuck cancer. It was like a bill, like a government bill. It the hmm. title of it was fuck cancer. So. Anyway, tangents aside, how about your number seven, Chris? So my number seven is Battletoads. Oh, yeah. I will say that Battletoads did not make my top ten, but it is in my honorable mentions list. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is another one that I threw on. I, I had probably six games that I was basically picking between on what I wanted to include on the list or not. And like I said, this is a hard list for me to make. And a lot of it is, is because I didn't play a lot of Nintendo. I didn't play a lot of NES, especially on the actual console itself. Uh, most of my Nintendo play was actually on emulator. Um, but this is one that I have played. Of course, I didn't beat it because screw that game. Um, but I did get, I played it on the Rare Replay. Uh, I, I played it before that, but not very much. But I did go back and play on re- rare, on blah, 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 on rare replay, and it was fun. I mean, to this day, it's still a fun game. Um, Battletoads is a beat 'em up slash platform game, plus the other many things it includes. Plus uh, racing, plus plus, plus first yeah. person, reverse purse. 
boss <laughs> first person, plus snake climbing, plus jet boarding, plus, oh, good God. Yeah, that's why I left it at, and all the other things that included. Um, right. Yeah, because it went from the typical side-scrolling, which even the side-scrolling varied, whether you're on foot, on the uh, speeder or whatever the thing you ride on is. Uh, it, it's a very iconic game. Um, and that's right. that's kind of the trend for my NES Top 10. Um, some of it is based on experience, and I have played at least a little bit uh of every game that's on my list. Yeah. But a lot of the choices are made on how I feel about them as a whole to gaming and uh, especially back then, the impact they had. It is something to be said about Battletoads of what a, you know, honestly, Chris, what a great game that is because of how much shit is actually in that game. But it's a sad game because people can't get past the speeder bike. They either <laughs> yeah. can't or they f- or they just say, fuck that. And those that do get past the speeder bike, even if they get past the next level, they're going to come up to another spot. There's, yeah. there's, there's maybe eight, nine levels in that game. Half of those are fuck you game hard. And, I mean, it's a testament to what Nintendo games are known for, that level of difficulty that level of fucking controller breaking rage it is there but if that game was anywhere easier if it was anywhere more manageable mm-hmm. i strongly believe you would hear about that game much more today because there is so much shit in that game there's side scrolling action there's vertical fucking tube uh repelling there's speeder bike racing there's waterboard uh, levels. There's fucking climbing up pipe level. There's running from a giant death ball level. <laughs> there's so much in that game. There's so much mm-hmm. variety in the levels of that game. But because there is a fucking wall, literally <laughs> a wall, about two to three levels in, you don't know. Yeah. Good game for a pick, though, man. Definitely good game. Uh, down the line to mine, number seven is, uh, you know, Chris, yeah. I heard a wise man once say that life is like a hurricane here in Duckburg, uh, race cars, lasers, airplanes. It's a duck blur. DuckTales is my number seven. All right. DuckTales. Now, uh, I did put Chippendale Rescue Rangers in my uh, honorable mentions as well, but just, just as a... Just as a blanket statement, Capcom had a lot of good hits on the Nintendo, yeah, uh, and definitely had a had a uh, there's a there's a block of them that I think I think it was re released recently, the uh, Disney Afternoon uh, collection, mm-hmm. something like that for uh, Steam or plat- other platforms. Yeah, all three. It's got the uh, yeah, it's it's got. So Capcom was really good about taking Disney style uh games uh, uh fr- properties and making them into games. Mm-hmm. Disney's Aladdin is another one it's well known for. Darkwing Duck got made into one. So on and so forth. Uh my pick was DuckTales. Well, one because I played that the most mm-hmm. and second this was also one of those that it was just a young time in my life. I just this is one of the earlier ones I got uh I got to play 
and played it quite often. I think I even rented it and spent a lot of money renting this game. But so uh, DuckTales, made by Capcom, came out uh, sometime in the 80s, like 89, I guess. 90 maybe for, I don't remember. Anyway, side-scrolling, but also had a lot of, uh, this one, the, the side-scrolling action of itself was the same, but the level designs were unique. There were, there were actually, I think there was like seven levels total in this game, but there was, there was one in the Arctic snow, there was one in a, in a, in a cave, one in a castle, they all had their own unique look, their own unique music. There were boss battles. <clears throat> there was a collection aspect to the game because there were uh, one of the ways that you would unlock newer levels is by collecting money, by increasing the money in your in your bank, basically in the in the in the vault. And there was money scattered all over this game in all kind of forms. There were gems and jewels and diamonds and actual money things coins and whatnot and they were scattered all over the place there were hidden passages they were hey just try this shit oh what do you know it works there's a gem there uh, that was the aspect that really drew me into this game the uh the combat with uh scrooge actually using his walking cane as a pogo stick i, I loved mm-hmm. i thought that was cool and unique Plus, you could also use this cane to hit items into enemies. That's, that was another way. Uh, a lot of people know this this game because of the iconic moon level music. Uh, I, I say yes, I agree. There is a lot of good music in this game, though. Uh, very unique levels. Very unique game. Another uh, A gem from Capcom. And again, back in the NES and uh, SNES era, Capcom was known for just, just pumping out quality games. Yeah, I, I really so. thought about including this on my list, but the only reason I didn't was because I don't think I played this one. Yeah. I And yeah, that... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think I played the one of the SNES or a Sega game or something like that, but not this one. Yeah. That's uh that that's that's for me too, man. Like, I, I've heard good things about Darkwing Duck. I unfortunately had never played that game. Uh, I've heard, I, I don't know what the Tailspin game's like, so I can't ma- I can't draw a good comparison for it. Uh, this was the Disney afternoon. I did play Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, so I did put that in my, uh, I did put that in my honorable mentions. Another, another Capcom Disney afternoon style, mm-hmm. style game, but I enjoy DuckTales more than Chippendale, but Chippendale's pretty good, too. But DuckTales made my number seven, though. So what about your number six, Chris? So my number six, getting into the uh, big leagues now. Oh, boy. Uh, was Super Mario Brothers 3. Holy crap. Yeah, big leagues. Yeah. Um. So, and I picked three because... Aside from the original, I think 3 was, on Nintendo, one of the better Super Mario games. Mm -hmm. Um, I liked the overworld map. uh, And we've talked a lot, or I say a lot, we talked quite a bit in the past about, you know, things that changed with the games. I -hmm. wasn't a huge fan of 2. There was something about it that I just, I didn't like the style of it. Mm-hmm. It, it felt like, even though it was true to Mario, it didn't feel true enough. 
you know, it was good. I was going to say, well, in, in that vein, how did you feel when you learned later in life that that was Doki Doki Panic or whatever? And it was just Mario assets stapled onto it. I mean, really? I don't care. I have no idea what that is. And it doesn't surprise me that, you know, there's a reason like that for it being different. Right. Uh, that's what I was but, getting at. That's that's how it felt yeah. to me. It's like, oh, well, I always, I always thought this one seemed like an outsider compared to the other Mario games. and Oh, well, now I know why. Yeah, but 3, I thought, was, you know, solid overall. I mean, like mm-hmm. I said, the world map was a great addition. Um, I'm trying to think the power-ups it added. Uh, 2 didn't have the Raccoon Tail, right? This was the first one where you got uh, that power? No, right, it yeah. did. Yeah, so that was a... a Pretty fun power-up they added. Uh, I mean, it, it's Mario. <laughs> I'm sorry, but there's only so much you can say about a Mario game. Um, True. But there's a lot you can say about 3, though. It was yeah. uh, it was very good. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a known fucking gem for the NES, for sure. Mm. Let's see. Um, Go ahead. I was gonna say. I mean, if, unless you think that's it for yours, I can. We can move on down the list. Yeah, it's just been so long since I played. It. I was trying to think of other things that jumped out at me. Yeah. Um, I'm the graphics on this one were different again, which I think mm-hmm. that's pretty much been the case for every game, just about. Yeah. In the series, um, so it was another one of those jumps. Yeah. Overall, solid game. I don't really have anything bad to say about it as a Mario game. mm Hmm. Well, I guess we will move on down the list of number six. My number six. Oh man, another 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 memory game right here. This is another one of those original uh, seven games I had mm-hmm. when I had my when I actually had my own Nintendo for the first time. <clears throat> Excuse me. My number six in our top ten NES game list is Double Dragon 2 The Revenge. Uh, full disclaimer, I've only played the first Double Dragon two or three times. I played Double Dragon 3, I think, actually, total of one time. I think <laughs> I rated Double Dragon 3, and it was not... It didn't feel the same, and it was incredibly difficult, and I said, fuck this game. I played Battletoads and Double Dragon. That was entertaining enough. I've never played, like, the fighting game Double Dragon, and yes, I've seen the fucking double dragon movie but <laughs> i love double dragon 2 uh again partially i did i have played this a fuck ton of times i beat it several times and yes that is partly due to the fact this was one of the first nes games i ever had side scrolling beat em up uh a lot of level variation it's a running theme for a lot of these games that i've picked uh you have a street level you have a jungle level. You have uh, inside like a castle type uh, level, like a dungeon level, like inside of a temple kind of level. Uh, you can pick up different weapons in the game. There's knives you can throw. There's pipes. There's uh, like <laughs> fucking silliest thing in the world, but a f- like it looks like what's a cigarette basically, and it's actually a bomb. It'll blow up a vertical p- a pillar of fire. There's punching, there's kicking, there's hurricane kicking, there's fucking tiger knees, things before Street Fighter 2 was a thing kind of deal. Uh, solid game. 
wish I could say a, a shit ton more about it. A lot of memorable things in this game for me just because I played it so much. Uh, <clears throat> having people like climbing down a ladder and you punching them off of a ladder, that's awesome. Uh, punching people and then grappling them to do a move, like throw them over your shoulder or something. That's 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 in the on the NES for all, of all things awesome. Uh, there was a helicopter level where you were fighting inside this helicopter, and ever and occasionally the periodically the door to the helicopter would open, and it would create a vacuum that would suck everything out, trying to suck everything out of the helicopter. So you had to fight enemies and fight being sucked out of a helicopter. There was one level where there was like a giant fucking bulldozer type tank thing that would come in, and it would the the screen would stay stationary, but the tank thing would move left and right so the platforms would move uh fighting the shadow boss when he was invisible at parts was oh man yeah this is a very fun game very entertaining and as far as a beat-em-up game i'm talking to the equivalent of what i hear good things about like streets of rage 2 and 3 which apparently the pinnacle of beat-em-ups this is up there for me this is one of my favorites and it made my it easily made my number six for uh, my top NES game of all time. What about you? Yeah, I um, I didn't put Double Dragon on my list just because I couldn't remember which one I played. Um, mm-hmm. And none of them looked familiar. So I, I'm still not sure which one or ones I've played. Wait a minute. Am I going crazy? Yeah. That was, you're on number five, right? Uh, I'm on number five. My number five was Metroid, though. I'm just talking about your stuff. Oh, I was just mentioning. Well, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm doing back work here. I'm looking at the list I made for you, and I've got Kicks, Pac-Man, Lemmings, Battletoads, Super Mario Brothers three. Mm-hmm. Did I fucking skip one of mine? Did you? Lolo, Adventure Island two, mm-hmm. Metroid, Ducktales. No, I'm on number six. Oh, okay, you would be on your number five. Yeah. Yeah, okay. but you're going to have to go again for your number five. Gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah, I was just throwing that out there about uh, Double Dragons. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was My mind was blown for a second. I forgot that your number <laughs> five was Metroid. I'm thinking like I'm on number six. Like, I'm all fucked up, man. I'm, don't don't fucking pay me no mind. It's all good. But yeah, that, <laughs> that's one reason it, reason it didn't go on my list was because I didn't know which one I had actually played. And uh, it, it's not one that I played a whole lot of that I can remember. So even though I recognize it as, you know, one of those classic games, didn't have as big of a personal impact to me. And that's completely understandable, man. And trust me, when this list is finished, there's a reason why I keep harping on that point. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of my games are defined by what I played the most and what I memorable most. It'll it'll all come to it in the end. Uh, So Chris's number five would, oh, sorry, not would be, is Metroid. Yeah. Which we've already talked about, yep. so we'll move on to your number, number five. F- yeah, my number five, <laughs> which is Blaster Master. Oh okay. man, Chris, have you played Blaster Master? I don't think I ever did. Oh man, this is such a good game. This is not one of my original owns. This was one of the original ones I ever played. Uh, in the same vein of Mega Man Four, the the friend's house that I went to as as a young kid, he had a few games. Uh, Blaster Master, Mega Man 4, and honestly, I'm struggling to remember the other ones. So, 
I played Mega Man 4 a fuck ton. I played Blaster Master probably about half as much until I got my own copy. Then I played it until my fucking fingers bled. <laughs> Blaster Master is, is an awesome game. If you don't know about it, it's that's a shame. You should. It's an awesome game. I want to say that I want to say it holds up to this day. They've had a sequel. They've had a re-release. They've had a, a few re-releases. I think there was actually a Switch game that came out last year for uh, a Blaster Master, like Blaster Master Reloaded or something like that. I'm too lazy to look it up right now. But anyway, Blaster Master is a unique, is a very unique game. It is a side-scrolling action game. It is a side-scrolling tank action game on the onset. Uh, You're basically in this tank that has upgradable features, and you're going left or right around around usually these pretty, pretty large, sprawling maps. You're shooting enemies, you're navigating terrain, and you're trying to progress past locks or... or, uh, blockades similar to metroid similar to the metroidvania style it's actually it actually has some metroidvania to it but that's only half of the game the other half of the game is there are these little doors that you must exit your tank and then enter the door and when you enter the door you're into a new type of you're into a overhead view where it's just your guy just the tank driver uh you're your on-foot character can also get upgrades to the blaster that he uses. There are boss there 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 are bosses in the game uh, at the end of pretty much every one of these big areas. There are power-ups you can get again to level up your blaster. You can increase the rate of fire. You can increase the distance that your bullet goes. Again, man, I'm going through puberty again in my own podcast. <laughs> Uh, you can get this grenade power up that lets you shoot these big, uh, these bigger bullets that explode at the end. Uh, and then you're usually when you beat these bosses, you get an upgrade for your tank and the tank upgrades are, they're pretty cool. There's walking on walls, which, which then also later turns into walking on ceilings there's ones that let your tank swim underwater, so to speak. Basically, let you travel your underwater terrain travel is 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 easier. There's uh, one that lets you like hover, so to speak, for a while with like an energy bar. So you have like a set amount that you can hover for a lengthy period of time. Awesome game, awesome game. Uh, definitely part of my childhood. The the split dynamic of the game, the side scrolling to overhead view shoot 'em up is is awesome. I love it. Uh, fun fact: there was uh, this is this is one of of uh, think about seven or eight games that were made into a novel, the Worlds of Power book series. Huh. Yeah, this is I read this one several times, <laughs> and that one I believe was based off of the English Blaster Master storyline, which is not. The not the original storyline. The Japanese storyline was different, but anyway, lo- love this game. Definitely, definitely earns a number five spot on my list. Chris, what's your number four? So my number four, and I'm not sure how you're going to take this, but I'm sure you could have a uh, hour long discussion about it either way. Um, my number four is Mega Man Three. All right. Hour-long discussion starts now. 
All right, so Mega Man <laughs> 3 made Chris's list, and here's why. <laughs> yeah, so I, I had to include a Mega Man game on my list. Um, did, did you really, though? Did you? Yes, really? I had to. I, okay. Even though, you know, I, I give you a lot of crap about, you know, being biased and whatnot towards it because of how much you love the game, but it is a another iconic game. It is one I recognize as a overall good game, just really hard. Um, so, which is why I, one of the reasons I haven't played it a lot, um, this is one of the games on my list that I did play on NES. Um, well, I say it is, I played Mega Man on NES. I don't know which one it was. Um, yeah. But I have played uh, on remakes on the uh, Mega Man Collection on Xbox. Uh, I have played uh, 1, 2, and 3 on there, at least some. Um, still too hard for me even as an adult. Uh, and with save states, still can't get through them. Uh, mm. I'm just absolutely terrible. Like I said, I I cannot deal with the mechanics. It is not something I'm good at. Um, yeah. But I went with 3, mainly because looking at the ones I'd played, mainly 1, 2, and 3, I felt that 3 was the best one of them um mm-hmm. in particular it added you know rush to it and you could also slide for the first time mm-hmm. um i did look and see that four is where you got the mega buster which i think is a pretty big thing for the series as a whole yeah. um but based on what i read four wasn't as well received um and no, i haven't played no. yeah and i haven't played I don't know if I've even touched four because I, I like playing games in series and I yeah. think I only went through one through and one, two and three because I got so frustrated with when I moved on to the next. Um, yeah. And I got to three before I said, okay, I guess I'm not, just not good at these games and I'm going to stop. Uh, but um, Mega Man, solid game, iconic game. Um, and I'm sure it's in your top three. So you're going to say way more than I ever could about it. Um, <laughs> I, I I would totally not give anybody shit for picking Mega Man three over like let's say Mega Man two. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like every, uh, the majority of people in the gaming world that talk about Mega Man and know Mega Man will iconically jump back to Mega Man two as being the game. It's got that. It's got the the iconic intro theme that everybody knows. It's been remixed twelve thousand times. For some reason, everybody revolves themselves around Mega Man two. If given the choice. Totally honest, as probably the the universe's biggest Mega Man fan, quote me on that. <laughs> I would personally pick Mega Man three over Mega Man two. Uh, for the upgrades, the bosses just appeal to me more. the The game itself, to me, I prefer over Mega Man two, but not my favorite Mega okay. Man. Just it's just it's crazy how the world revolves around Mega Man two. I will, that, and that's not trying to take away from Mega Man 2 either. Mega Man 2 is a good game. All the Mega Man games are good in my opinion. But if somebody gave the two to me and said, which do you pick? I wouldn't pick Mega Man 2. I'd pick Mega Man 3. So I completely understand. I completely understand any Mega Man game being on your top 10. But definitely understand Mega Man 2 being the one you picked. Uh, My, my number four is Kirby's Adventure. This is a happy, happy choice for me to pick in this list. <laughs> I had played Kirby for the Game Boy back in the day. And the original Game Boy game, 
Sorry, I'm just counting the list here. <laughs> uh, the original Game Boy game, the original Game Boy Kirby game, very short. Also considerably easy. It's it's. I'm sure that's how it was, it was designed to be. Sure. It's there's there has always there always has been and hopefully always will be a very happy, whimsical, not too difficult appeal to Kirby. Uh, there may be a couple challenging elements here and there, and those will be very far and very few. And I have no problem with saying that I will still play the games like that. I I've played many Kirby games. I own many Kirby games, and I have no like that's the fact that they're easy is means nothing to me. I don't play Kirby games for difficulty. Mm-hmm. I play Kirby games for their charm. Kirby's Adventure for the Nintendo compared to Kirby's Game Boy game is there. There's differences here, and there are things that that just appeal to me far more in Kirby's Adventure. Things that continue to be one of the main things that draws me to the Kirby games started with Kirby's Adventure, and that is the ability to suck in an enemy and then take their power. Mm-hmm. I love that. And the first time I had that experience was with Kirby's Adventure. Uh, if you don't know this game, side-scrolling adventure-style game, a lot of different environments. But if you don't know what Kirby is, holy crap! But Kirby is a protagonist who is a pink puffball with a happy-go-lucky face and smile and yep. very cute voice pink and the marshmallow. appeal. Yeah. The appeal of him has always been that he can suck in enemies. That's something he could do in the original Kirby. He can suck in enemies and he can float and fly through the air. Uh, unlimited. He can just fly. Uh, in Kirby's Adventure, you can suck in an enemy as well. But what it used to be on the Game Boy game is when you spit the enemy back out, you spit them out as like a star. And the star is basically like a bullet. So you could just hit another enemy with a sucked in enemy that became a star. Mm-hmm. You sucked in an enemy, became a star as a bullet. Kirby's Adventure, you could do that too, but when you sucked in an enemy and pressed down, you could have their ability. So if you sucked in this fire enemy, somebody's going to keep a tally how many times I'm saying sucked in. This is, this is <laughs> going to come to bite me, I know. When I Kirby, said a word. When Kirby sucked in these fat, delicious enemies, uh, <laughs> he could have their abilities. So if he sucked in a fire enemy, he would turn into a fireball that would let him basically fly across the screen for a set amount of time. If he sucked in a wheel type enemy, he would turn into a wheel that would let him roll across the uh, roll across the screen. Uh, a sword guy, he would get a sword. If it was uh, uh, and just if he saw most of the enemies in the game, he could basically copy their abilities. That's been a running trope with Kirby for forever and a day. Uh, was has only been better for me on one other game that I wish was which was even longer or redone. I wish the concept would be done again. Was in uh, Kirby's Crystal Shards for the N sixty four. The fact that he could could suck in two different types of enemies and that would give you a different type of weapon or a different type of ability given the combination. I love that. But all of that started on this game with me. Uh, lots of levels to run through, lots of enemies, lots of power-ups to try. There was even a UFO when that was my favorite because you could fly around unlimited. You, you had this laser that would just pretty much just zap everything. 
Uh, a lot of puzzle elements to this game as well. A lot of interesting boss battles. It's Again, they're not difficult. They're not super fucking difficult. And you can find many power-ups to cheese many things, but uh, a lot of fond memories with this game. A lot, a lot of fond Kirby memories started with this one. Yes, I did play and actually own the original Kirby back in the day before this one for the Game Boy, but this one was my start. This was where Kirby love started. Um, one of the coolest... Uh, one of the coolest power-ups you could get in this game that I loved was there was a, I think it was a beetle-type enemy that you could, that you fought. And his power-up was he would, oh, I hope I got this right. It may have been another one. I think it was the beetle one, though. You basically became a suplex Kirby. So Kirby would grapple an enemy, and then he would slam them over his back. Oh, I love that. Love that. Good times of this game. Well-deserved number four. On my list of top NES games. Chris, we're down to the top three. Yep. We are down to the top three. Um, yeah, I guess we just fucking roll right into it. So, Chris, sure. what is your what is your number three NES game of all time? So, my number three, despite it not being, at least to me as a child, a great game, uh... Is the Legend of Zelda. Nice. This is probably the first game I played on NES. I don't even think I owned it. I think we rented it um, from the gas station. They had their Rack and Nintendo games. Um, we may have bought it from them. I'm not sure. Um, but I just, I didn't get this game as a kid. It just did not click with me. I didn't understand what was going on. Um and the same is somewhat true for the Game Boy game I played as well. Uh, but it's a classic, and it is the start of a legendary franchise. Um, I mean, who doesn't know about Link? Um, unless they call Link Zelda. But um, there say, are those still out there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's never ending, right? I mean, as long as you as long as you name the game Zelda without mentioning Link, it's fairly understandable. Mm-hmm. You know, The Legend of Zelda. All right, I'm playing as Zelda. No, no, you're not. Um, but yeah, I I didn't really consider this to be a good game, which is very interesting looking at the franchise later on. Um, yeah, and of course, you know, once we get up to Super Nintendo. The franchise really took off, and oh yeah. But but this was the groundwork for it. This was a predecessor that you know, if it didn't exist, what would that have become? Um, right. If anything, uh, so I I couldn't place this anywhere other than the top three. All right. Well, that was Chris's number three, Legend of Zelda. Yep. I actually have lost my list, so I don't know my name. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. My number three pick, I'm sure my top three has been seen a mile away because unfortunately I've been saying shit about these games since this podcast inception. Mm-hmm. But regardless, my number three Nintendo Entertainment System game is Final Fantasy. Holy cow, folks, what a fucking game. 
what a franchise this has turned into, what a roller coaster ride this mm-hmm. entire franchise has had and seems to be continuing to have. Uh, we're still waiting on the Final Fantasy VII remake that's kind of <laughs> out, out of the news network right now. Mm-hmm. We're hearing rumors about what Final Fantasy sixteen is going to be, if it's even being worked on right now because of Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, the Final Fantasy series has had two MMORPGs. It's had portable handhelds. It's had a slew of main series number titles. It's had a hand. It's had its own portable series. Uh, I mean, a, a handheld game series. It's had a fighting game. It's it's had characters guest appear in fighting games. All of this legendary shit that you know about Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to you people that know Cloud. For you people that know uh, the Final Fantasy 14 world. For those that trip through Vanadil and Final Fantasy 11. For people that have heard about the fucking emo gunblade carrier squall <laughs> and heard about the legendary arguable fucking masterpiece of all time Final Fantasy 6 it all started here mm-hmm. with Final Fantasy for the Nintendo Entertainment System uh again Chris I hate to do this story a fifth time and I'll make it quick I swear <laughs> because you never know this could always be somebody's first episode. Mm-hmm. There was a time back in my childhood where I was I was presented with the option of buying a Nintendo game. I could only buy one. After sifting through this gigantic carton full this this giant box full of Nintendo games in my infantile video game days of not knowing what games were good and just picking things off of name and word association. In one hand, just because of the artwork and the words on the back of the box, I picked Final Fantasy. In the other hand, I had Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Thankfully, thankfully, I went home with Final Fantasy that day. And that same day, I also fell in love with that game. Sprawling RPG across multiple continents. There's there's river travel, boat travel, airship travel. There's the typical scenario of of, uh, of fiends based on elemental properties: fire, wind, earth, and water. Uh, there's a there's several enemies. There's uh, the actions that you did. Um, this is now this is talking from uh, I had played Dragon Warrior back in the day, which Dragon Warrior also made my honorable mentions list. But seeing your characters actually step out and actually do their action with their weapon that was awesome magic effects that you could see the music in the game the talking to people in towns going to item shops sleeping at inns yeah yes even all that basic shit that that's like just second nature now all this for me was new and was all started with final fantasy on the nintendo uh going through this game was such an adventure just like the box told me it would be uh, ha- having your characters like level up midway through the game on an optional quest where basically you fucking upgrade and you become like adult, more powerful versions of your of your characters. Awesome. A a storyline that actually revolves around time travel. Awesome. All the characters you meet. Oh man, this 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 game was so much fun. I had played through this game so many fucking times as a kid. And loved every minute of it. 
the the fact that there were multiple jobs in this game and you could as a challenge to yourself uh, play through the game with different job setups just to see what was more difficult or what was more interesting maybe what was even more powerful maybe an OP setup you didn't even think of mm-hmm. uh, continuously leveling yourself up and seeing how many options how many magic options there were as you leveled up uh, the the fucking hidden shit in the game running running through the fucking the uh, air temple and going finding out that there was uh, the level you you leave the fucking desert level and you're up in basically a fucking spaceship in the air and running across that last bridge and biting your fucking nails because you may fight war mech and not knowing if you're going to or not uh and then fighting the boss tiamat and you could use a i think you could use a break i think the spell was called break and you basically fucking one shot a boss <laughs> um running through the I think it was the earth cavern it might have been the earth cavern where uh you you had the basically like giants alley where every step you take was literally a fight with a, anywhere from one to four giants uh man so so many rpg staples for me were started with this game yeah uh I bought I I picked this game on a whim. I, this was literally a why the fuck not choice in my life and I'm so glad I did. Uh another fun fact about this game that I always laugh at this one too is that I in, in my youth I this was a around this time uh Nickelodeon Gak and Nickelodeon Slime were a big thing with kids. <laughs> I always fucking wanted that but my mom and dad would never buy it for me. And there were times where I could won I could win it as a prize in school for some shit, but I never won it. I always wanted that. I begged and fucking pleaded to get that shit. And on my birthday, I finally got that shit. But I also got Final Fantasy the same day. That fucking gag didn't get played with. I'm so <laughs> sad. I made such a big fucking deal about getting that shit as a kid. Yeah. And I pl- I p- I pulled it out of the container. I played it with it for about five minutes. I put that shit back in, put it on the bed, and went straight back to playing Final Fantasy. I, I I literally in my childhood mind, Chris, I played with Gak out of necessity. <laughs> I played with Nickelodeon Gak out of necessity. I was like, you know what? They bought it for me, so I have to play with it. Oh man! So yeah, extremely deserving. Final Fantasy, my number one, my my number three <laughs> spot on my top ten. Your number one pick for number three. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's really so much that can be said about Final Fantasy. I mean, that is a huge franchise. That's one of the Goliath franchises that still exists today. Um, and that's why Final Fantasy was my number two. Oh, yeah. Um, I... <laughs> As far as gameplay goes, I don't think I could add anything beyond what you said about it. Um, I'm actually still working on it. I haven't beat Final Fantasy One. Um, I've That's mentioned okay. this. I've mentioned this before, but I came into gaming later. I mean, I'm younger than he is, so uh, I played Final Fantasy Seven before I played any other one. Um, Dude, and again, given the popularity, given what Seven is, it's completely understandable. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Final Fantasy, just a huge landmark, uh, in the history of gaming. Um, there was something else I was going to say, but I completely lost it. Um, 
I hate that. Yeah, I mean, you you said enough about it. I mean, it's yeah, it paved the way. Yeah, there, there's a there's actually a part in the beginning of that game that this is gonna sound totally fucking ham fisted, but it is so true. But there's a part in the beginning of the game where the first mission you have to go to this castle, you're trying to rescue the princess or whatever, and they're like, "All right, you did that, cool. Hey, the bridge north was built, and you can go across." When you go across that bridge, the game takes you to arguably a cutscene where some dialogue scrolls across. I had that shit memorized when I was a kid. I have forgotten, <laughs> unfortunately. But it's basically saying, you know, hey, the adventures, you know, go across the bridge to a wide open world where adventure awaits and stuff like that. And honestly, that is true for that game, but that is also true for RPGs in my life sure. because I had played Dragon Warrior up and down a little bit and had enjoyed it, sure enough. But for whatever reason, Final Fantasy just struck a whole different chord. And as far as RPGs go in my life, that was the start. I I crossed the the threshold and with Final Fantasy into a whole new world of RPGs. And uh, yeah, as corny as that sounds, it was true in the game and it was true in my real life as well. Yeah. So I guess that brings us down to. Your number, number two. two. Yeah. Yeah. Making notes here. <laughs> My number two on our individual top ten NES games of all time is Super Mario Brothers three. Nice. Holy crap. Super Mario Brothers three. What a what a game. Uh this was so so Mario Brothers one pack-in game for the Nintendo shows mm-hmm. its age, there's no doubt. But when you want, in my opinion, the definitive Mario game for the Nintendo Entertainment System, it's Mario 3. Uh, Mario 1 was the first. Yes, Mario 2 had a, again, like we mentioned earlier, a different look, a different feel, a different take. It was a different formula, so to speak. Still, still side-scrolling, platforming, yes, all that's there, but the characters having their own unique abilities, that was pretty cool. The different variety of levels, that was pretty cool as well. Final Fantasy III just kicked the fucking door down. You had multiple worlds with multiple levels in each one. All the worlds were unique. They all had a set theme. They all followed that theme. Thematically speaking, this game is very sound. Uh, the new the 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 new power ups you can get in this game the the tail yes the frog suit the hammer suit the tanuki suit uh, the only in one level Karibo shoe which I still love to this day. Uh, man, this game is so much fun. This is the this is the epitome of Mario fun for me. Uh, point of fact, uh, Super Mario Bros. Three is also on my top 15 of all time, video game wall. I picked this game over any other Mario game. And that's saying a lot in my for, for me as a person because, I mean, Mario World is, is fucking great. The Galaxy games are great. Mario 64 is great. Uh, three, for, for many, many reasons, just hits home on every fucking level. The, the controls are tight as all get out. The level designs are awesome. The, the the thematically, progressively through this game is so great. The music is is great. Uh, so many good experiences with this game, man. 
going through, uh, getting to the big world, the big, the the big small world for the first time, and going to a level and seeing shit that you know in that game, but blown up to gigantic proportions, like uh, just the block, just the fuck, seeing gigantic blocks, the ones that you hit, and then you hit them and they actually turn into the smaller blocks that fall off the screen. Uh, seeing all the gigantic enemies. Uh, go, going to the fucking the pipe world is always my favorite because there's green shit everywhere and green's my favorite color. <laughs> uh, the getting to Bowser's home world and the fucking tanks that scroll across the screen. Oh man, I, this game was so much fun. The fact that that there was uh that people know about it because of the Wizard game is just is hilarious to me. I didn't even know about the Wizard until way way after the fact. This was another one of those games where a friend of the family's daughter had. It's funny how many gamer girls I knew as a kid. How how less I know now. <laughs> but you know when game g- gamer girl wasn't a thing when I was a kid anyway. Mm-hmm. I was just a girl that had games, just like I was a guy that had games. But anyway, yeah. uh, man, I I love this game. I love this game to death. This the replay value in this game is off the charts. It is e- you can easily pick this game up today and have a shit ton of fun with it. Uh, definitely makes my top top ten NES games. Makes my top fifteen games of all time list. But as far as this list goes specifically, it made my number two for NES games. Uh. Chris, before we reveal your number one and my number one, do mm-hmm. you have any? Do you have a list of your honorable mentions? Um, if you don't, that's I, I already closed my tabs, but I think one of them I was gonna, I was looking at was uh, the Castlevania games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean that's another franchise that's fairly solid, not as well known. Um, and not as popular, but still a solid franchise. Um, yeah. I couldn't, one of the reasons I didn't put on my list was I couldn't remember which games were which. And I know that um, they were hit and miss, if I'm not mistaken, back then. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's fine. Then I guess, Chris, tell us what your number one Nintendo game of all time is. Well, after your spiel about Super Mario Brothers three, my spiel, I, uh, I, I'm, you're making me question my list now, uh, <laughs> just a little bit. So my number one is Super Mario Brothers. Okay, uh, this is the one that I had two games of, and I put three on there as one that playing, I enjoyed uh, quite a bit. But I also put one on there because it was, yes, it wasn't the very first Mario game, but I still consider this to be the start of the titanic behemoth franchise that is Mario. Right. Um, Out of respect, we everybody acknowledges, you know, the 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 original pipe Mario Brothers mm-hmm. games. Yes. And we may even talk about the fucking Game & Watch Mario, yes. But when people talk Mario, be real. We're talking about Super Mario Brothers. Yep. We're talking about this. Exactly. This is where that started. And this is another one of those games that, of course, this is a game I played on the actual console. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was fun. Uh, 
you know, I was actually thinking about it. I don't know if I ever beat it, but I didn't need to. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it was because it was hard. It was just one of those things. There's no saves. So I play however long I play and then I turn it off. Right. Uh, but I always had fun when I played the game. And that's not something that a lot of games can tout. Yeah. Um, where every time you play, you're going to have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what it was. So at Super Mario Brothers for your number one. Yep. All right, folks. Well, before I go into my number one, I'll do my honorable mentions real quick. And I'm going to go throw this one out first and get this right out of the way. Okay. The Legend of Zelda Mm -hmm. did not make my number one. All these games obviously didn't make my list and definitely didn't make my number one. But I'm throwing Legend of Zelda right off the bat because I want to get all the hate on me first. Get it all (laughs) out the way. I've been harping this whole time about how shit that I didn't play a lot. I don't have a lot of experience with. I this this take it for what it is, folks. This is just the way that my life led me. Uh, the the same neighbor that had the Adventures of Lolo game, they also had, and I fondly remember playing. Well, I remember playing the Legend of uh, Zelda Two: The Adventures of Link. Uh, I played Zelda 2 Adventures of Link a lot. I never made it too far, and it was understood in my adult life why, because that game is fuck you hard later <laughs> on. And it has a lot of barriers, too, that I didn't know to get by. Definitely at a young, young age where I, I had no access to players' guides or knew or would know where to go when I'm stuck. I played Legend of Zelda, the Zelda 2 Adventures of Link 40, 50, 70 something times as a kid just because it was something that was available to me. Legend of Zelda was not available to me as a kid. The first time that I played the first Legend of Zelda, I was 22 years old. That was just the way my life led me. The first Zelda that I ever played after Zelda 2 was Link's Awakening. After that was Link to the Past. So, yeah. Uh... I, I wish that I had more experience with this. I know that a lot of things, a lot of staples that Zelda is known for, that the Zelda series is known for started here. I'm not going to tout it as a bad game or a horrible game. It's totally not. It's a good game. But I had already played several other franchises in my life before I ever got to this one. So this was just a victim of circumstance. So it def- But it made my honorable mentions because, again, when I played it, I knew what I was getting into, and it was all there. Uh, Castlevania 1 and 2, 3 is not on here because I didn't play 3 that much. I think I played that one as my, in my adult life as well. I had Castlevania 1. This is also one of my first seven games. Uh, hard as fuck. I think I remember making it only about five levels into that game ever. And Legend of, I mean, uh, Castlevania 2, I got to see Jughead play quite often and <laughs> loved it, but didn't realize exactly how cryptic that game was because... I was watching somebody else play it that knew how to play it, you know. He's got a lot of shit in it that's like, scratch your head. How the fuck is somebody supposed to know how to do this? But also, the the Metroidvania, as the Metroidvania feel, this is the first Castlevania that really started that, that, that it's known for. Contra, put it on here. One of my early games. Good time with it. It's a staple, staple game for the NES. Also a staple franchise. Uh, Dragon Warrior, first RPG ever played. Loved it. Not as much as Final Fantasy. I'm so sorry. 
Gradius. I love shmups. I have a it's a hidden hidden uh, love of mine, even though I suck at most of them. Love Gradius. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one and two, the arcade game. Uh, I owned one. Uh, hard as balls later on, but good entertainment too. I love because it was the first time I got to play the arcade aspect. Battle Toads. I already mentioned that. I already talked about that. Ninja Gaiden 2. Uh, I've only played Ninja Gaiden 1 like twice. I've never played the third one. I've played Ninja Gaiden 2 a fuck ton. Mainly because Jughead owned it and I got to play it often. I liked it. I liked the game. Liked the, liked the setup. But golly, is that game fucking balls hard. Uh, Little Nemo. We've mentioned it several times. I, come on. Very whimsical feel to it. Charming. Ability to change into and or ride on animals I love. And then Chippendale's Rescue Rangers also made my honorable mention because that's one of the only other Disney afternoon style Capcom games I ever got to play. Sure. All right. My number one, guys and gals, most of you that listen to this podcast already know this one, so this is not going to be anything new for you. And I'm sorry I'm about to hurt a lot of people's feelings, especially those in the community that this game is involved with. I do not apologize to you or anybody else because this game is to my heart and I can't take that away from it. My number one NES game of all time is Mega Man motherfucking 4. Um, this game is the first game in my life that grounded me to and hooked me into video gaming as a whole. If anybody in my life, family, friends, teachers, anybody looks at me and says, what the fuck got you into this hobby? Mega Man 4 is the one that did it. I had played lots of Nintendo games before this game. I I honestly wish I could medically sit down and explain to you verbatim, step by step, what, act, what appeals to me about what about this game draws me so magnetically to it. I unfortunately cannot. This is a lifetime comfort spot in my heart and soul of gaming this is the first game that i just was drawn to uh i give an example you out there and to chris as well have you ever had a game that you played and for you just whatever you wanted to play it you were interested in it whatever and then you just fucking dove into that game and had that 100% completion mentality and like loved it and then beat it and played it again and you just love that that's the feeling I get from Mega Man 4 times about 20. It's it's just, it is a staple in my life. Now, as far as the game itself, man, lots of good shit in Mega Man 4. And I didn't, as Chris brought up, I didn't realize this until my way later adult years, like 25 to 30 year age. This game is cruelly unheard of. It's definitely underrated. Now, that's me saying underrated because it's my number one video game of all time. I understand that. But there are a lot of great things about Mega Man 4 that just get, they're just criminally overlooked. One, first and foremost, as Chris mentioned, is, yeah, the Mega Buster. This is something that the Mega Man X universe has known about since day one. You you play these Mega Man games, side-scrolling, shoot them, jumping, you get all that. Typically, you have you're just shooting pellets. Basically, in Mega Man Four, you can press the shoot button down, and you charge up a weapon. You charge up a shot that is when you release is bigger and more powerful, lets you do more damage, risk reward kind of thing. That that's that's 
awesome. But when you start with Mega Man X, that's from the get go. You get that off the bat. It's it's just a known thing. That started with Mega Man Four. Uh, Rush came back again in this one for uh, pretty much the same power ups. He's got a a spring ability. But he also has a uh, he has a jet ability. And he also has a submarine-style ability, which, yeah, is only used in a couple of levels, but it's that's cool. You got a couple additional weapons this time around. You get this uh, wire that you can use to uh, travel vertically in terrain, which, in my experience, there's only been a couple areas that I've even really used that for, but I do use it for the Cossack boss. Uh, there is a more... A more utilized uh, weapon slash item, it's not even a weapon because I don't think it does any damage, uh, is a balloon. You, you you throw these out and you can make platforms with them to make vertical uh, travel easier or even horizontal travel easier. I love the boss designs in this game. Uh, as easy as some of them are, yes, Toadman is, is infamously, infamously known for being incredibly easy and he is you literally shoot run underneath him as he jumps shoot run back underneath him easy peasy uh the 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 main thing that Mega Man is known for uh for having uh you you kill a boss you take the power up you use it against another boss back and forth that comes back here all unique boss designs all unique level designs you fight the eight bosses, you go to the Cossack levels, and you go to the Wily levels. I love the music of this game. I love the intro music to this game. I love all the level designs, all the level music, uh, the graphics. I love everything about this game. This game, to me, is what defines gaming for me. Now, there are a lot of games that do a lot of this shit better. There are a lot of games that offer way more than what Mega Man 4 offers. I'm saying this to explain to you guys and gals is that you're going to look at me and go, are you fucking kidding me? you got games out there like Witcher 3 and Grand Theft Auto 5 and Mass Effect 2, for those of you that would say that, and Breath of the Wild and Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy 6, and you're, man, I, this is one, you're just going to have to take this one. I, I could defend it on many levels of why it's a better Mega Man game than other Mega Man games. I could probably defend it on why it's better platforming game than other platform games i could also make arguments why other ones are better than this one this is a comfort game for me this is just this is just my game this is this is my baby and there are other there are other games on my top 15 wall there's no doubt there are many genres of many types but as far as my gaming life goes and as far as my nes list goes there is no fighting it for me mega man 4 is my number one NES game of all time and arguably my number one video game of all time. Woo! <laughs> I gotta say, Chris, it was rough. It was a little rough for me when I got down to the Zelda games because I was like, mm-hmm. man, this is... What are they gonna do to me when I find out it's not even on my top ten? Oh, yeah, I mean, that's fair. And I, I've never played the second one. I didn't know there was a second one on Nintendo. That was my introduction to the series. <laughs> was the second one, and holy crap, they're like, "No, this is not what Zelda is at all," and it's not when you compare it to what other games are. I mean, it's it's, it's when you Zelda is usually known for the for the overhead views, even behind the head view now. But yeah, you you don't really hear too many people talking good things about Zelda two. Yeah, 
And arguably, you don't hear people talking too much about Zelda 1, period. It's usually linked to the past, Link's Awakening, the Ocarina of Time, so on and so forth. Exactly. So, Well, there you have it, folks. You have Chris and Michael's both top 10 NES games of all time. Uh, Again, these are not official in a time cast list. These are our personal lists. So what do you think exactly how pissed off are you at me? (laughs) Or how pissed off are you at Chris? Who knows? Uh, What... Sit down at some time and think of make your top 10 list and share it with us. We'd like to know. We'd love to know what your top 10 list is. Uh, what things about these games that we brought up do you remember? What are some fond memories you have? What things that, uh, that, that we brought up do you agree with or disagree with? Uh, where do you think maybe, maybe the placement of what, the where we put games are, are not to your liking? And again, that's it's kind of understandable, but you, you have to understand that these are our picks. These are our choices. I know for a fact Chris did not pull up a Wikipedia and, and match sales to what he picked. No, no this it's not the way we do these lists, folks. These are personal lists, uh, and that's 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 just the way they're going to be. But in any event, we'd love to know your top ten. What 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 did you think about any game we brought up? What fond memories do you have about any game we brought up? What fond mem- fond memories do you have about your top ten games? And why did you put your games in the in the order that you did? Uh, we love to hear anything like that you'd like to send us, uh, and really anything at all you want to discuss this episode, past episode, tangent shit you want to discuss, anything. We'd, we'd love to hear any and all feedback from you. Several ways you can get a hold of us. We do have a Facebook page. That might be how you got a hold of us here today. Just go to Facebook, look for End of Timecast. We have an email. You can email us at endoftimecast at gmail.com. That's endoftimecast at gmail.com. No funny numbers in there. Just spell it as you heard it. We have a Twitter page. You just search for Twitter, End of Time Cash. You can tweet us. That's great, too. Whatever methods you want to use, we would love to hear feedback from our audience because we are about to be 40 episodes strong in this and still going. We'd love to know what you like or dislike. We'd love to know any kind of feedback from our audience as we, as the End of Time Cast progresses forward to the end of time. And until next time, I'm Michael. I'm Chris. Good night, everybody.